It's here. A full dorsal apparition, and it's real. So what do we do? Could you come over here and talk to me for a second, please? Could you just come over here for a second, please? Right over here. Come here, Francine. Come here. What do we do? I don't know. What do you think? Stop that! We've got to make contact. One of us should actually try to speak to it. Good idea. Hello. I'm Peter. Where are you from? Originally. Okay. The usual stuff isn't working. Okay. I have a plan. I know exactly what to do. Now stay close. Stay close. I know. Do exactly as I say. Get ready. Ready? Get her! <laughs> this bonus episode of the Movie Clint Podcast. I'm David and this is my wife, Sherry. And on this episode, we'll be covering the film Ghostbusters from 1984. Now, I'm going to pass it on to Sherry so that she can give us her kind of first viewing and first kind of experience with this film. Um, I was six, so I was pretty young. I've said several times in the podcast, we didn't go see movies. Yes. We didn't go to the theater. And my dad just didn't, he didn't like movies. He just wasn't a movie person. I don't think I ever remembered him sitting down and watching a movie ever. Oh, um, that is very weird. I think we went to see E.T. one time, and he was there for the food. Oh, well. Like he wasn't, he yeah. didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Which, E.T. is not the movie to take someone who doesn't like movies, but I I don't care for E.T. But <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> I know, yeah. but we went, we go to the beach every year in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, there was one theater in that area. Like, this was back when there was, like, we stayed about 40 miles out of Merchville, Myrtle Beach. Yes. Uh, in a place called Litchfield. It didn't even have a grocery store. It was to the point where we would bring our groceries oh. and coolers mm. and then drive into Myrtle Beach because there was no grocery stores or movie theaters, really anything. 
So you'd have to drive into Myrtle Beach. So we did. We drove in. My sister and brother. My sister is seven years older than me. And my brother's 17 years older than me. Yes. So they chaperoned Valerie, me, and our other younger cousins yes. to see it. I loved it. It scared me a little bit because I was young. Oh, yeah. The dogs in it scared me. Some of the ghosts even scared me a little bit. I could see it. The girl in the library. Yeah, I could see when that. When she yells, <laughs> yes. you know, it kind of scared me and. I was in love with Slimer. Oh, yes. <laughs> but there just wasn't a lot of merchandise out at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, why not? Was this just the beginning of movies like this and where they had huge amounts of This was expected merch? to be a big hit. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. I wanted a shirt. I wanted, you know, I loved the icon. I wanted the Ghostbuster icon shirt. Mm-hmm. And I begged my dad to take me to get a shirt. He didn't even know what it was. Well, of course. Yeah, he was just like, shut up. (laughs) Quit bothering me. But I just kept on and kept on, you know, until we found a shirt at the flea market. Well, bootleg shirts were big at that time. And it was like the old 70s kind of baseball shirts, like the white with the uh, blue sleeves, Uh like quarter sleeves. Like a jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And it had the icon, but it wasn't... I don't even think it said Ghostbusters on it. It was just a picture. I I think you probably couldn't put that, the name on there. Probably not. So they really couldn't um, say, oh, this is that shirt. Of course, yeah. yeah. But we did find one, and I was happy. Even though I really couldn't wear it because it was July and hot as hell in South Carolina. Oh, yeah, I could see that, yeah. (laughs) It was like quarter sleeve. Even back then, having a tank top on you was still burning up. Oh, yeah. You know, Ghostbusters is, is one of my favorite movies. It's okay. just, I love everything about it. Okay, so, so, so we know what your review will be yeah, at the I end know. of this. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're already tipping you the You won't lead. hear any bad from me. Okay. And that's uh, pretty yep. much yours? That's it. Okay, I remember going to see this on opening weekend. Um, I want to say I seen it the Friday it came out. Um, I can't be 100% sure on it, but I feel safe to say I did. Now, and, didn't you say you went to see Ghosts? Did you see Gremlins on... Opening night, remember, they came out the same day, and you said you didn't remember which you saw first. Yeah, I mean, that might be the case. That's why I'm trying to remember my... I remember sitting in the theater to watch this, but I can't Mm -hmm. remember the exact time. But you might be right about that. I don't know. This is just a movie... I fell in love with it as I was watching it. I mean, it was just like one of those films that just completely clicked Mm -hmm. with me. Uh, I was already a fan of Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and all, just from, and yeah. uh, even Harold Ramis in this, just from mm-hmm. uh, films like Stripes and Caddyshack and things like that. And Dan Aykroyd, of course, you know, and Blues Brothers and Saturday Night Live. So these were already people I was familiar with. And they were just, that right there got me into the theater. But then it was like a ghost movie and a little bit of a horror movie. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I was there. And I just, I loved it. I still remember... When this was in the theater, going to see it probably at least three times while it was out. See, I don't ever remember. My sister was the movie. Yes. The hungry movie person in the house. Yes. Who pursued things. Like, I don't ever remember sitting and watching like a commercial that made me want to see it. Or I just kind of was like, she's, we're going to see this. And I said, okay. So you just went to see whatever. Yeah. I didn't really know what it was. Now that's weird. I don't exactly remember going seeing a commercial for this on TV, but I probably did before it came out because that was usually how I kind of knew. 
and I was one of these kids. Now, I'm going to take you back to olden times, everybody. Olden. Yeah, you know, back in the day. Back you when know, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, yeah, back when, uh, you know, we invented fire and everything, <laughs> you know, and uh, killed dinosaurs. But we used to have something in the newspaper that was movie listing ads. Ah. Yes. I do and, remember that. In the newspaper. Oh, you know, God, something now I feel old. Yeah. And I remember... I would open up that newspaper a lot of time on Thursday or even Wednesday. They would have, here's some of the new movies that would be coming out that Friday. And I remember looking through them and they'd have the show times and everything mm. down on there at my local theater. You're like, I'm there, man. I'm there. That's, there you go. <laughs> I'm there. And I remember, I know I had to remember hearing about Ghostbusters probably on TV from an ad. And then I seen that it was starting that Friday. So naturally that's, you know. The newspaper ads for movie theaters was the life's blood for me where I could figure out where everything was and what time it was playing. Mm-hmm. So that's probably pretty much how I figured it out, you know, yeah. when it was out. I don't know. This is just, I mean, like I said, I'm going to be like you on this. You're not going to hear really anything bad from me about this film. Mm-hmm. Because to me, this is just an all-time classic. So this is just going to be... We're not going to be preaching to the converted here. No. We're, we're, we're going to be mm-hmm. preaching to the converted, I mean. Right. You know, basically, you know, I know there are probably people out here that don't like this movie. I'm we don't have, like them. And I'm going to say, <laughs> what's wrong with you, mister? That's right. Get out of here. <laughs> but, no, I mean, you can't please everybody. Get away from us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is just, this is a classic. I owned it. I owned it on videotape after it came out. I remember I had it recorded for my HBO I bought the video. I have the original DVD. I have it on Blu-ray. I mean, this is just a all-time classic to me. This is just what this is. But like I said, that's pretty much my uh, you know first time viewing there. And I guess what we're going to do is we're going to drop the trailer and then come back with the cast and crew and the plot breakdown. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Right, that's bad. Okay, all right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. Did you see it? They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. You want this body? Is this a trick question? Stick. Hold. Him up. Smoke it. Bring him hard. Ready. Ready. 
Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Coming to save the world. Ghostbusters. And the cast and crew. Okay, I'm going to start out with the director, Ivan Reitman. Now, he directed such films as Meatballs, Stripes, Twins, of course, Ghostbusters 2, and Six Days, Seven Nights. That's the Harrison Ford movie with Anne mm-hmm. Hesch. He yeah. recently died. Yeah, he, yeah, I was going to mention that. He passed yeah. away 2022. Yeah, February 12th. And he was also a producer on many films. I mean, many films you've probably heard of, like Heavy Metal. He produced some of the early David Cronenberg films, Stop such as Shivers. Mom will shoot. Yeah, producer on that. I mean, he had a long career. I mean, yeah. when he, I mean, he didn't direct a whole lot of films, but he was a producer on a lot of them. Though he had a pretty long and you know, he's still he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things still to come. Oh wow! So he's, he's got, still got pre-production stuff. on Besties, Juliet, Summer of Love, Triplets, and then. He's got TV series. I didn't realize there was a, a Ghostbusters Ecto Force TV series. There was Stripes TV series, Untitled Animated Ghostbusters Project, Untitled Martini Project. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I said, I mean, he was always working. I mean, he, yeah. he had stuff, uh, irons on the fire, pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, through his whole life. So. I mean, he did Afterlife. Oh, wow. Was... Uh, no, that's a different movie, I think. Oh, a different one? Yeah. Well, it's 21. A, oh, I thought that was a movie. I don't know if he... I can't recall if he producer. was producer on that TV show, if I was a movie. I thought there was a movie called Afterlife also. Oh, okay. But I could be wrong. But next, we will move into uh, Bill Murray is Pete Vinkman. Now, anybody that don't know Bill Murray, I guess you've been living up under a rock. <laughs> but, you know, I will uh, go and uh, throw out some of his uh, cast uh, or some of his film credits here. Uh, Meatballs, Caddyshack, Scrooged, Quick Change, and Lost in Translation. I was kind of shocked to see he appeared in an episode of a TV show I used to watch when I was a kid called Square Pegs. He he was in one episode as a teacher, and Hmm. I do not remember that episode for the life of me. I haven't watched Square Pegs in a long time, but... Yeah. I might have to see if I can dig that episode up to watch it again. But, of course, he is still working even now. He still works pretty steady today. So, But then now we're going to move into Dan Aykroyd, who we talked about on a on our Blues Brothers episode. But I will go over some of his uh, uh, film credits. I mean, he plays Ray Stans in this film. And, of course, his uh, credits include Blues Brothers, Dr. Detroit, Dragnet, Gross Point Blank, and Coneheads. And, of course, he's another one. Still working today. Mm-hmm. Still working steady. And next, we have Harold Ramis as Egon Spengler. And he he was more of a writer and director than he was an actor. He But he had some uh, screen credits, such as Airheads, Stealing Home, and he was in Groundhog Day and Baby Boom. But, of course, you know, he was a writer on such films. Uh, I remember he wrote on SCTV. I think he helped write Caddyshack and hell, he even helped write Ghostbusters and just everything. I mean, he, he's writing that series that's coming out, Ecto Force. I wonder how that's going to work out now that he died. 
Well, I think it's not so much as a writer. Probably what it is is since he helped create the characters, he's probably got a writer credit uh, on it. That's probably what that is. Okay. But yeah, his main work was more behind the scenes than it was in front of the camera, even though he did appear in films. And he passed away in 2014, which is kind of weird. It seemed like it was a further back than that. And then next we go to Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett. And she's appeared in such films as Alien, uh, Gorillas in the Mist, Avatar, Chappie, The Village, and Heartbreakers. Uh, she's another one that's had a long career. I mean, a very long Yeah. Um, I remember I just watched her uh, in that Defenders mm-hmm. uh, Netflix show that yeah. was out. She was pretty good in that. I mean, she she's still really great in whatever she does. It's so weird. It says, you know, she was in Avatar. Well, it has Avatar 2, post-production, 2022. Avatar 3, post-production, 2024. Avatar 4, filming, 2026. Avatar 5, filming, 2028. Yeah. So they're filming things already. Yeah, and all I can say is I hope Avatar 2 is a big hit. because I if know. It's not, Take it already, forever. Because if it's not a big hit, they've already got almost three other films that they're sitting on and don't know what they'll do with them. Wow. But 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 that's an Avatar talk. <laughs> uh, and like I said, Sigourney Weaver, though, still apparently working. Still mm-hmm. apparently working and working steady. Okay, next we have Ernie Hudson as Winston Zedmore. And he has appeared, I got down 252 credits. Wow. So I, I remember he has been in a lot of films over the years, but boy, I did not realize that. And he's appeared in such films as the Chuck Norris uh, uh, film Octagon. He was in Penitentiary 2, Leviathan, Cra- uh, Collision Course, and The Crow. Yeah, he was in The Crow. Uh, that's just to name a few. That's just a drop in a bucket out of 252. But, I mean, that man is a steady worker. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like I said, it just amazes me how you can amass that many credits. And uh, then we go into Rick Moranis' Lewis Tully. And he has been in films such as Spaceballs, Strange Brew, Little Shop of Horrors, Streets of Fire, and Big Bully. And, of course, he was uh, on the TV show SCTV for at least a few years. Did he retire? Yes, uh, I was about to get into that. Yeah, he retired back in the late 90s, I want to say. Oh, he had some stuff out in... 2000s. Yeah, his late 90s, maybe early 2000s, he retired. To get into it briefly, I remember his wife died. He was still working, but then as time went on, he just kind of fulfilled his obligations that he had, contracts yeah. that he had signed for films. And then he didn't sign up for anymore. He was just like, I need to be there with my kids. Right. Spend time with them. He said he had made enough money to keep himself financially sound. Unless his heart, he got mugged on the street or something, got beat up. I thought I remembered hearing something like that one time. I think he might have did maybe a little bit of voice work here and there on some stuff, but on average, he hasn't really appeared in any films or anything. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of sad to me in a way. He was very talented and very well known. Yeah, and but I mean, I can understand where he was coming from, though. It wasn't important as as being with his kids. There you go. There you go. That's not a wrong thing. There you go. So, I mean, I'm kind of, I've always hoped that one day he would make a little bit of a comeback and maybe appear in some films again. He's doing some voice work. Yeah, that seems to be his main thing now. Hopefully, one day, I mean, 
Hell, hopefully there'll be another Ghostbusters film down the point, and then yeah. maybe he'll appear in that. And uh, finally here, I have Annie Potts, who plays Janine Melnick. And she appeared in such films as Pretty in Pink, Texasville, and Breaking the Rules. But she is mainly like a TV uh, actress. Yeah. Design Women. Design Women, yeah, I got that here. Amazing Stories and Joan of Arcadia. Her TV work is vast. I mean, I was looking through it and those shows, I was like, oh God, I didn't remember she was on that. I didn't she's realize. on Young Sheldon now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, she's still working very steady as well. I mean, I, you know, I guess TV work, you know, you can always find something there, even if it's just a one shot on a TV series. And uh, that's all I have for the cast. Do you have anybody you want to talk about or anything you want to throw no. out? No. Okay. Well, I guess if anything... We will jump into the uh, plot breakdown here, and I don't—I guess I don't need to give this warning, but I will anyway. Uh, if you have not seen Ghostbusters, we're about to spoil the shit you know, out. We're of it. about to spoil the hell out of it. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, um, go out. I mean, it's a hard to find movie. You might not. There might not be no copies around anywhere. Yeah. But see if you can find it somewhere. I'm sure you'll be able to dig it up. So, we start out at the New York Public Library. Yes. You know, there's just a bunch of people... Milling in and out. Doing their research, whatever they're there for, and you see a little old lady. Because she's a librarian. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. She's just kind of walk, pushing a cart of books, and then she goes downstairs. To, I don't know what she's doing. Um, it's downstairs with, the, like, the catalog, the card catalog. Yeah, stuff. yeah. There's card catalogs. I think there's like a book. It's probably like the book storage area okay. where they rotate books in and out. That's yeah, she's just kind of walking through there, and it just kind of gives you this feel like there's somebody following her. It's got it's playing kind of little eerie music. Yeah, it's like a tracking shot that's yeah. following her around. You almost feel like something is. Yeah, and it's almost like these rows of books almost are like a maze that yeah. you go in and out of. Um, and uh, as she keeps walking, like behind her, books are just floating across yeah. the aisle. Yeah, they're floating from one shelf to the other. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. she did. She didn't hear. She didn't hear that. She well, didn't notice that. Notice it or, or hear it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she keeps walking, and she gets to like I remember card catalogs. Oh God! <laughs> My first job in two thousand three yeah. had card catalogs. Yes, I remember them very well. Yeah, I remember them very well. Like insurance cards mm-hmm. were on card catalog. Yeah. Um, kids nowadays will not know what that they is. They would be like, what the fuck? Yeah, when you can just pull out your phone and find something <laughs> out. No, back then you had to actually dig and find yes. stuff. Yes. So as she walks by the card catalog, the drawers start opening. And suddenly the cards just start shooting out of this thing. And she hears that and she turns around. I think she just yells, doesn't she? Like, ah. Oh, yeah. You know? Like any sane person would, I guess. <laughs> and then she she runs because that's out of the norm, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, not something you say every day. Yeah. And she she takes off and it, it kind of keeps with that, like, something's following her and she's kind of trapped in, like, these aisles. It's almost like she's in a maze. And she finally comes to the end of one of the, the rows. And it never shows what she sees. She's just looking at something, and, and it lights up, mm-hmm. and she just screams. Yes. And then it ends. Yes, and then that's when we hit the credits with yep. the uh, Ghostbusters uh, mm-hmm. theme. 
And the uh, famous uh, emblem that you wanted yes. on t shirt. One on my shirt. Yeah, one on your <laughs> shirt. And then next we cut to uh, Weaver Hall, which is a uh, like a university, a college university. The door is marked Paranormal Studies Laboratory. Ah, yes. And uh, we go inside here and we have, like, I guess a college student, a guy, and a girl. Yeah. <laughs> So we go inside the room, and there's this is the first time it shows Peter Vinkman. Yes, and there's a guy and and a and a blonde, a blonde a girl, and he's given like ESP test. Yeah, it's like on flashcards, <laughs> and he has the cards turned facing him, and he's asking them what is what the, the card, card is, what the card is. But the thing is, if you don't get it right, he you, electrocutes yeah, you. Yeah, you get a shock. <laughs> And the guy takes a guess, and of course he loses, and then he gets shocked. And and then the girl... And you could see the card, and I can't even remember what the card was. Oh, it was like, whatever it was, she guesses it. Yes. And it's wrong, but he tells her she's right. Oh, she says, is it a star? Yeah. And he said... Yes, you're great. Very good. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it wasn't. No, it was not. She's very pretty. Yes, yes. And you, you kind of um, realize right off that Peter's like a ladies' man. Like, if there's somebody pretty nearby, he's near them. Yeah. Now, this actress, her name is Jennifer Runyon, and I'm friends with her on Facebook. Oh. And I remember she was talking to some people about this scene one day when, uh, you know, because I remember I asked her a couple of questions about it. And she said this was probably one of the most fun days of filming that she ever had because she said they couldn't stop laughing at doing this scene. And basically, we keep getting this passed out back. Yeah, and the, the guy's always wrong. The guy's always wrong. And he keeps getting shot. There's one time he's shot and the gum flies out of his mouth. And, of course, she's picking the wrong ones the and whole time. you can time. see the card he's holding up. You can see the side that she's wrong, but he's, he's giving it to yeah, her. Yeah, he's giving her a pass and saying, oh, this is just... Uh, <laughs> you're like, you're you, a you natural. Can't, you can't see these things, can you? <laughs> and then, finally, the guy actually gets it right. And he still shocks him. <laughs> and he still shocks him. <laughs> and... Then the guy gets just fed up. Yeah, he's like, I didn't know, like, I was going to volunteer for this. And I didn't know it was going to be electric shocks. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, what is it? Bill Murray's like, uh, don't worry, it's just 75 more to go. <laughs> just 75 more shocks ran, basically. And, of course, you know, he isn't having it. And he uh, heads, you know, he just kind of just storms out. And he says, you can keep the $5. $5. $5 for that. I'm just like, boy, $5 went a long way back then. <laughs> and, you know, then, of course, you know, Pete is, like, kind of trying to make time with the girl, you know, kind of just feeding her, like, you know, stuff like, yeah, I think you do have it, you know, and everything. And, you know, he's just definitely trying to put the moves on a college student here. And I guess he's a professor there. About that time, uh, Ray bursts in. And he's, like, looking for videotapes. He said, we got to, you know... I need the camera. Yes. You know, Pete just looks over at him, and he just kind of says, excuse me. And he walks over there and just, like, almost slaps him right in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. You know, tells him, I'm in the middle of something Yes. Here. And then Ray just tells him, we got we got something here. We got something. I think it's basically... He, in that show, he tells him, we got something down here at the library. Yeah, he's like... At the New York Public Library on Fifth Avenue, 10 people witnessed a free Roman vaporous full torso apparition. Wow. Yeah, that's a mouthful. 
Yes. <laughs> it blew books from the shelves at 20 feet away and scared the socks off of some poor librarian. Yep. <laughs> and I think, you know, Pete's just like, well, can you give me a half an hour? You know, yeah. Like, no, no, He's more worried about getting a date or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know, hooking up with this uh, college girl. You know, needless to say, that doesn't happen. Nope. Ray's like, you're coming with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, oh, all right. Naturally, he just uh, kind of tries to set up something with the girl for later and, you know, still trying to sweet talk her, you mm. know, to, you know, kind of put his hooks into her, which, you know, I imagine he probably did. But then uh, we cut back to the library. Uh-huh. Pete and Ray show up and they go inside and walk around. And then this is where we see, we see Egon, Egon. sitting, uh, I guess, down in front of a table. And he's got like a stethoscope or something up listening. Yeah, he's measuring like something. Yeah, yeah. Pete just walks up and starts tapping on the <laughs> table and everything and making loud noises and slams a book down to it, which startles Egon. God, I look at these just little scenes right here and they just play these so well. Oh, yeah, off of each other. Yeah, they just play it so well. This is the point where they go and look for the librarian. Yeah, she's being interviewed. Yeah, she's kind of like laid out on the table. Mm -hmm. I guess she's pretty much, she's like stressed out and everything. What we have here is they ask if she's on drugs. Yeah. Right? If she's mentally ill. Or she has a mental illness in her family. Or she's on her period. Yeah, if a a woman this age is on her period. Yeah, that's so typical. They're doctors. Yeah. (laughs) To think that. You could be standing there with a fucking knife stuck in your head, and they'll be like, are you on your period? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I think they even ask guys that. Oh, my doctor every time. Like, I guess because he sees so many people. He's Mm. like, when was your last period? I'm like, I had a hysterectomy. Yeah. In 2018. Yeah, so. I tell you this every time I come in here. So probably before then, I would take it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, well. Then the I guess the uh, guy that runs the library asks him like, "What is her period heavy to do with this?" Yeah, I'm a scientist. Just back off here. She's I know emotional. Yeah, she's a she's just yeah she's a typical emotional woman. I guess is what they're trying to say. <laughs> boo. Yeah, yeah, boo. That's in 1984 politics there. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, next we have them and they're headed downstairs to where she was walking around this kind of labyrinth of. Uh, bookshelves and things like that and i can't remember is this where they have that kind of um i guess what the, that detector that yeah they have? i think egon's carrying yeah it. he's yeah. carrying and it's like picking up like energy or whatever i don't know exactly what he's monitoring he has some kind of monitor in his hand the whole movie yeah yeah uh, i never i cannot remember what that was called but it kind of like detects you know i guess a paranormal and they uh, run into like stack of books just yeah. in the middle of the floor. Yeah, and it's like, you know, no uh, reasonable person or something like that with stat books to play. <laughs> then my, one of my favorite lines of the movie, one of my many favorite lines, is when Ray says, listen. Do you, do smell, you smell something? something? <laughs> <laughs> listen, do you smell something? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, what? That's a line I still remember the first time I watched this movie. I lost it. I still remember that, just even the first my first viewing of this movie. That line right there, because I, I heard that line, I'm like, what? It was so nonsensical, I couldn't help but laugh at it. Well, it's like, I'd kind of do something stupid like that in my car. Yeah. If I have someone in the car with me, I'll turn the radio down and say, do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, where you're turning your car radio down yeah. so you can see properly. Yeah. And I like Murray's reaction behind him. I don't know if you ever see it, but he's sitting there like... You know, kind of just sniffing and like looking around like, what? (laughs) Then they walk over 
to the card catalogs. And they find this slime kind of goo, goo like snot, almost just dripping off of there. And I, is it Ray tells Peter to get samples? Yeah, I think they get samples and he's like, "You somebody blows her nose and you want to keep it. And, then, <laughs> and he's, he's trying to like scrape it up with like a card, but he's like gets it on his hand and yeah. then he slings it off his hand and it slings in yeah. his face. Yeah, he's trying to get it like a little kind of dish. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I remember on the audio commentary. I remember when I listened to that they said Bill Murray got all that in one take because they said he just, you know, yeah. he, he was kind of in, into doing that. And oh, I mean, it just looks so disgusting. I mean, it's just it literally does a lot of snot. Mm-hmm. Continue to go through, and they're just walking around, and like one of the bookcases fall behind them at one point. And then I think it's uh, Ray, or Pete asks Ray, have you ever seen anything like this? And he's like, no. And then they're walking around, and Egon's kind of bringing up the front there. He's yeah. got that uh, detector with him. And he tells them there's something here. Yeah, there's something here. There's something nearby. They peek around the corner, and they see, like, a ghost. It's a woman. There's a ghost that looks like she's just sitting there reading, reading a book. Reading a book. Reading yeah. a book. And then they are, like, they're standing there and looking at her. Okay. Now what do we do? Uh, Ray and Egon look at each other like, I don't know. (laughs) And then they look at each other like they don't know what to do. And then that's when Pete grabs Ray's ear and like pulls him back and says, come on, y'all two come back here. (laughs) (laughs) Then I think it's shortly after that. It's something like communicate with it. And I remember... uh, Just make contact with it. Yeah, Pete walks out and says, I'm I'm Pete. Where are you from originally? (laughs) Yeah. And then he gets shushed. Yeah, she turns around and goes, shh. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're talking in the library. That's unacceptable. <laughs> he just walks back there again, and then you hear him kind of huh, saying stuff. And it says, Ray, like, I got an idea. I, I got, got an idea. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come out, all three of them. And he's like, do exactly what <laughs> I say. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get her. Get her. <laughs> And then that's when the ghost just turns into this horrible-looking... Yeah, uh, and growls uh, at them. Yeah, and just roars at them really loud, and they just take, take off, off, which uh, any sane person would, because I would have to. <laughs> they they bolt out of that library. They, yeah. they, they are just gone. And uh, someone that works there follows them and wants to know what they saw. Yeah. You know, and they're like, we'll get back to you. Yeah, we'll <laughs> keep back. running. Yeah, they keep running. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they want they to put some uh, distance between them and this library. That's for sure. And then it kind of shows them on their way back to where their plate, yeah, you know, their, their university. office or yeah. whatever. And Peter's laughing. He's like, get her. Yeah, that was your big plan. <laughs> that was your whole plan. Get her. <laughs> yeah. And then they kind of start talking about it, you know, where Egon has this containment unit. Kind yeah. of into work, yeah. you know, and for something like this, and they kind of start getting into that a little bit. So that, I think he had run the the data from that area they were in, and yeah. he figured that it's something that they can contain. It's to a level that he can do something with. Basically, this is setting up something we're going to see later in mm-hmm. the film. This containment unit. And now we're back at the college, and they go into their office, and the dean of the college, I think his name is Dean Yeager is basically kicking them out of the university. He says they're, he's canceling their grant yes. for their program. Yes. And they need to leave. Yeah. I mean, and he's uh, basically berating them for their... I guess he's calling them 
shitty scientists and you yeah. know professors it's and it's a everything. waste of time yeah it's a waste of time uh, i guess ultimately i mean what do you do you're done there mm-hmm. yeah, so they they are outside of the university uh ray and peter are and they are just kind of looking at their options and peter is just talking ray into you know we're on to this kind of thing let's start our own business you know just kind of jump in with both feet you know, mm-hmm. this is what we know. This is what we can do. Right. Let's go and try this. And, you know, Ray's kind of hesitant at first, but Peter pretty much uh, convinces him. Peter's got that way about him where he's a uh, very... Uh, <laughs> he's the very kind of confident, more like go-getter. Yes. Um, Spangler's the, the data. The brains. The brains. Yeah. And Ray's just kind of like... What I say uh, toward the end? He Ray's the heart of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, he's yeah. like the adventurer. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's kind of a tech guy. Yeah, in a way too. Yeah. yeah, but it goes to them coming out of a bank. Really, what they did is they did a mortgage on Ray's family home. A third mortgage. A third mortgage. Which Spangler says with interest comes up to ninety eight thousand dollars. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, God, yeah, that's. Even now, that serious money. I can yeah. imagine back then what that would have been. 19% interest. God. <laughs> and you could see Ray's look on his face like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's like, you didn't even try to bargain with the guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, there was no bargaining at all. It's just like, no, we're doing this. Then we kind of cut to, uh, they're inside of a firehouse. It's an old abandoned fire station. This woman here, I guess she's the... Um, Realtor. The realtor on it. Mm-hmm. And landlord or whatever. And she is trying to sell them on it. And Egon is basically like, you know, this place <laughs> needs to be condemned. This place needs to be condemned. Yeah, I mean, he's going over a laundry list yeah, on what's wrong like, with it. the power source is not for our needs. Yeah. I mean, he's just, yeah, there's just all kinds of stuff. Yeah, the power source. He said the walls. Yeah. I mean, he's going into everything. And it looks like crap. And Ray comes running out, and he's excited. Yeah, he slides down the fire pole. Yeah, he just and, he's ready to move in. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, we need to just sleep here tonight. <laughs> this is great. I love this place." And the realtor's like, "Well, obviously your friend here likes it, so I guess we got a sale here." Yeah. And they end up uh, buying the firehouse. And then now we cut to some, um, I guess what you call apartments, like an apartment building. It's yeah. like tall apartment building. Mm-hmm. This is our first appearance of uh, Dana Barrett. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver, she's getting out of a cab. Yeah. She's got, like, some groceries in her hand. She's, like, walking up to, you know, walking. She gets off the elevator on her floor, going to her apartment. She walks by this door. (laughs) And and, it opens immediately. And the door opens immediately, and this is Lewis who literally pops out. He seems like he probably stands in his apartment and looks out the hole of his door for her. Like, he Uh, just... (laughs) Yeah. I, or he has some kind of second sense when she even crosses near his door. That's It's one of the two. And but either one is creepy. Yeah, he's um clearly got a thing for her. Yes, very and clearly. And she is not interested at all. No. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you be? Look at him. He's, he's, so, he's, so, he's such a, so dreamy. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Little little guy in a jogging suit and glasses and yes. greasy hair, you know? <laughs> And he is just sitting there going on about vitamin supplements and <laughs> a workout that he's doing. Did she want to come in his apartment for some mineral water? Yeah, it's like low-sodium low mineral water or something <laughs> like that. She takes a rain check on that uh, one. Yes, yeah, so I imagine she takes a lot of rain checks on him. 
And uh, he invites her to a party, you know, that he's he's throwing, you know. Yeah, and, for his work people. Yeah, and everything. And, you know, she accepts it. And then uh, as she's getting ready to go in, he mentions to her that, you know, you probably ought to uh, watch out about leaving your TV on. It was very loud. Yeah, and everything. somebody called the landlord Yeah, and complaining about it. And she was like, well, I don't remember leaving at all. You know, and then... He says, I turned mine on just as loud so they would think it was me. Yeah, louder so they would think it was Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he's one of those people that you just feel so bad for being mean to him, but he's just annoying. Yeah. He's, like, he just doesn't have any self-awareness. No. Someone doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah, and then he's trying to get away from him. You know, she um, ends up uh, basically going into her apartment and leaves him still out there talking to himself. <laughs> And he just walks back to his apartment like, I'm going to get a shower and everything else. And then he locks himself out of his own apartment. Yeah. Uh, and which is something that happens uh, at least one or two more times in this movie. Yep. And inside Dana's apartment, she goes in and we see the Ghostbusters commercial. Commercial, on. yeah. And they're doing, oh. I guess this is their first ad they've done yes. for their business. Uh, yes, and it's a very cut and dry yes. ad. There's no real frills to it at all. You know, she just kind of looks at it, just like, ah, whatever, and just turns the TV off and doesn't give it any thought. She goes into her kitchen, starts putting her eggs and whatever in her bag down on the counter and, you know, kind of getting her groceries put up. And all of a sudden, the egg carton opens and yeah. then the eggs start popping out. And cooking on the counter. Yeah, and you hear them start frying on the yeah. counter. And she turns around and looks at this and she's like, what is going on here? And and then she kind of looks at her refrigerator. She hears some growling. Yeah, she or hears something. some growling, and yeah. she walks over to her refrigerator, opens it up, and we see like a temple, like inside. a temple, yeah, and like these little dog, dog things. Yeah, and you hear the name Zul. Yeah, come from there, and she screams and, and she shuts scr- the door. And real she screams quick. and shuts the door, and of course, which naturally anybody would do after yeah. seeing something like that. And uh, then we cut to the scene back to the firehouse, and Ray uh, brings in a car, which turns out to be the Ecto-1. I think this looks like an old um, kind of hearse. It looks like a hearse, um, or not or not a hearse, but a, a hospital transportation. Yeah, yeah. But it, the scene starts out where their sign's getting Well, yeah, they're painted. getting a, a little sign yeah. put up there for now. But, yeah, and that's when he pulls up. This uh, one says a gold 1959 Cadillac ambulance. Okay. So it's okay. A, oh, okay. Ambulance. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a car guy, well, so I don't know It's shaped like a hearse, cars. too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, I'm not a car guy, everybody, so don't don't take my uh, knowledge of cars. Yeah, so Ray has purchased this vehicle for $4,800. And it needs everything like done the, to it. Like the firehouse, yeah. basically. This is like a rolling version of the firehouse. It needs uh-huh. work on everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Pete just hears this laundry list of stuff that he is needed on this, and his face just kind of drops because uh-huh. it's like, uh, what do you say the price on it was going to be? Like twenty-eight or 3800 I thought he said 4800 Or 4800 Maybe yeah. it was. I remember it was like an ungodly amount. This is 1400 but I thought he remembered him saying forty-eight. I thought it was forty-eight. It's yeah. 38 48 somewhere around in there. Yeah, it's too much for it, this crap. Yeah. Then we cut back to inside, and we see Janine at her desk. She's the receptionist. Yeah, and she's literally not doing anything. She's putting, like most of the scenes, she's painting her nails. Yeah, and, you know, because naturally, uh, business, you know, it's a ghost-busting business, and business is, to say, no. slow, uh, <laughs> is to put it mildly. Yeah. You know, Pete just kind of goes over to her. Any calls? Anything? And she's like, no. no. 
He's like, well, I'll be in my office. And he's like, quit staring at me with them bug eyes and everything. You want. <laughs> then he says, sorry about the bug eye thing. Yeah, I'll be over here. <laughs> and then suddenly Spangler um, comes out of the... Or Egon just comes out from under her desk. Yeah, he's like <laughs> doing something. He's um, wiring the telephone. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Computer and printer and... Yeah, and now they have kind of a flirtier relationship. She goes, you're very handy. I can tell. I bet you like you like to read a lot. Yeah, he yeah. said, print is dead. Yeah, print is dead. <laughs> Even back then, print is dead. Even though you didn't have uh, Kindles or anything back then. Yeah. Yeah, he was a little ahead of his time, I guess. She tells him, she she seems to have a thing for uh, yeah, Egon. Yeah. I, out of all three of them, I don't know why him. <laughs> well, he's the brain. Uh, women sometimes will tend to go for the brainy guys. He's the times. quiet. Yeah mysterious one i guess yeah yeah there you go i'm trying to remember what they were talking about like was he says something about like mold spores and fungus or something like that she goes um she asks him what he does in his spare time and he doesn't answer and she says i play racquetball do you ever play and he said is that a game <laughs> like he doesn't know he, she asked him what he likes to, what his hobbies are and he says i collect spores mold and fungus there you go yeah <laughs> Basic nerd Nerd. Stuff. Yeah, nerd stuff. <laughs> and then uh, we see Dana walk in. And uh, Ray is like working on the car, you know, mm-hmm. I guess trying to get this thing into running shape. He sees her. He's like, what the heck? Yeah, what is this, a customer? And <laughs> Dana walks up to uh, Janine and asks, you know, if this is Ghostbusters. And then you see Pete's head pop up in his office <laughs> waiter behind. And he literally jumps over he sensed a pretty woman yeah well that might be it too it's a pretty woman and money yeah probably too so probably yeah. the two things he likes in life and he runs and jumps over this kind of railing on the door <laughs> which i remember hearing in the audio commentary he nearly didn't make that because you can hear his heel <laughs> click on the bottom of that and it wasn't supposed to happen i said if his feet would have been a little bit lower he would have tripped and fell flat on his face but you know he's um you know basically shows her to the back I don't know. I guess what, what they're almost doing some tests on her. Yeah, they, um, Egon has like the little probes put on her head. Yeah, and yeah. He's, I guess just testing like just her brain waves. I yeah, would say. and uh, he, she's telling them what she saw. Yes, and that she heard somebody say Zool. I think they kind of seem to come to the conclusion that she seemed to like you know she isn't just some crackhead off the street or something yeah. like that. She's uh, basically telling them the truth. Is this the point where Egon turns into Vinkman's face with that light and everything tells yeah, he her yeah, he's, she's telling head. the truth and just like <laughs> nearly blinds him? Then they sit there and, and Egon, yeah, they all pretty much like I said they feel like she's telling the truth. And they say, well, what can we do? And I think Ray sits down and talks about, well, I can get some blueprints for the building, see about the building structure, if there's anything, you know, out of the way there. Yeah. And then they start talking about some books that they can look into, you know, about to find it, look at the name Zool, like a Tobin spirit guide, which you can buy on Amazon. Wow. Yeah. I think it's a fake book, but it's a book, you know, I'm very curious to read it. I'd like to see what's in it. You know, and they're talking about that. And then uh, Vinkman says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go back to Miss Barrett's apartment and I'll check her out. Check her out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she just looks at him like, oh, I will go and check out Miss Barrett's apartment. (laughs) Then, yeah, oh, God, yeah, that was bad. That was bad wording. And then Pete and Dana go back to her apartment. Mm -hmm. And he's got this 
what would you call it? Like a little suction thing? It's almost like it's... Yeah, it's like a little pump on the end. It's almost like what they what people use, like bug control people yeah. that sprays the stuff out. Yeah, something similar to that, yeah. And he's like, I guess, trying to gauge if there's anything in the room besides them. Uh-huh. Which I don't understand why you don't have the little detector thing with him. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you would think he would have that. And he's just kind of walking around. He's just kind of flirting with her and stuff like that, like he does. And then he kind of walks to the kitchen, and that's when he sees the eggs on eggs. the tab- table mm-hmm. and everything. And she says, you know, you know, I heard that coming from the fridge. And he says, well, I'll go. I'll check out the fridge, see what's in there. And he just kind of cracks it up and looks, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Look at all the junk yeah, food. Yeah, opens it up, and there's like cokes and all this other kind yeah. of stuff just junk food everywhere and she's just like no that wasn't in there she's like god you really eat this stuff she says you know i opened it up and i seen this and i heard the name zool you know she just sits there and thinks god you know i must be crazy yeah and he's like no, i don't think you're crazy at all and then he goes into this thing in her living room about some he tells her he says something i am madly in love with you <laughs> Or something like that. She just rolls around. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And and then you kind of realize he's talking about this other girl that yeah. had left him mm-hmm. before. And I i don't know why he's saying this to her. It's almost like he's trying to get sympathy from her or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's weird. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> weird conversation. Then he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to solve your problem here. We'll get this all figured out and everything. And she's trying to bum rush him yeah, out the door. So you're kind of pushing towards the door. Yeah, and I think she's had enough of him for today. <laughs> and then, you know, as he's uh, out of the door, he just kind of sticks his head back in and uh, is like, no kiss. And then, you know, he's pushed out the door. He's pushed out the door. Lewis comes out his door of his apartment because he thinks it's her door opening. Uh-huh, and then he kind of sees it's a man. Yeah, he sees it's a man. He turns around tries to go back in his apartment and it's, it's locked. locked again. <laughs> so it, it, that's just... That that's so awesome because that because I think that's they do that joke at least three or four times yeah. in this movie. Then we kind of cut back to the firehouse and they're eating uh, Chinese. Yeah, uh, I believe it's Chinese food. And Pete's like, you know, maybe we ought to use some of the petty cash so I can kind of take her out to dinner. We don't want to lose her as a client. And everything. Right. And they're all like, well, this uh, meal right here is the last of our petty cash. So basically, yeah. they're broke now. Uh huh. Uh, how long this business might keep going? You don't know. No, I haven't gotten any calls yet. Yeah, and then uh, Janine is down um, in, the, I guess, her office down there and then gets a call and she's like, yeah, they're serious. And it's like, yeah, they'll be discreet and everything. And then she hits the alarm and says, we got one. Yeah, and they spring into action. Yeah, and they spring into action. They, you know, hell, I think they're even carrying their food down onto the um, fire pole fire pole and everything and get their gear together. And they hop into the Ecto-1 and they just bolt through the city. And they're headed to uh, a hotel, big fancy hotel. Oh, yeah, this is a fancy place. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a very fancy place. They come in, bursting in with their equipment on. Yeah, and their proton packs and everything, and asking <laughs> if anybody's seen ghosts. And everybody's just looking at them like, "Oh my God, like, what who is, are these you know, people? What are what is this that walked in the door?" 
the manager kind of walks up to him and kind of tells him, you know, we've had some disturbances here, you know, and everything, yeah. and people are reporting it. And he says it's been mainly concentrated on this one floor. The 12th floor. Yeah, it's the 12th floor. But it's been quiet for years up until about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and now it's, it's starting to uh, happen again. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, you know, okay, and then they go to the elevator, and this guy looks at him, and he's like, what are you, a cosmonaut <laughs> or something? And he's like, nope, there's a cockroach up on 12th. <laughs> It's supposed to be some kind of cockroach. <laughs> yeah, bite your head off. You know, <laughs> and then they get into uh, the elevator and they're going up and they say, well, this will give us a, a definite test on this equipment. And because they have an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on their back. <laughs> and they've never up. used it. And they've never used it. And then I like when, uh, like, I think it's like Ray is like, okay, well, you switch me on. They switch it on and it makes this noise and they're just trying to get back away from it in this elevator, which ain't going to get far. <laughs> Then they uh, get to the floor and they get off the elevator and they walk around, you know, and just kind of basically Ray and Egon have their, the, that, I guess what you call it, the wand or whatever yeah. it is from it, it out. And they're just kind of walking around and then they hear some squeaking or something behind them and it's like a maid with a cleaning cart. Yeah, and they shoot at her. <laughs> and they fire that thing at her and that woman drops to the floor. Which... They, they just blast her like toilet paper goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's And horrible. she's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Pete's like, yeah, that's an effective test. And he said, yeah. And uh, Ray, I think he's like, yeah, we should probably split up. And Pete's like, yeah, we can do more damage that way. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. (laughs) And they're walking the halls up there, checking everything out just to see. I'm trying to remember if this scene fell right here where Egon is walking by a guy. Yeah, he just walks by like, I guess it's a guest. Yeah, or somebody lives there. And he's in his way, and he just takes his finger and pokes his shoulder and pushes him out of the way. I'm trying to decide if he was moving him out of the way or checking to see if he was real. Both, probably. Yeah, that's what I was in there wondering, (laughs) too. And uh, they keep exploring the floor, and Ray is, like, walking around the corner, and all of a sudden he stops, and his eyes just go bug-eyed. And this is where we see Slimer. For the first time. For the first time. He's eating food off of a cart. Yeah, and doing, and just, yeah, it's just <laughs> disgusting. He's just pile driving this food into his mouth, basically. <laughs> and Ray just kind of turns around and he just walks away. <laughs> Cigarette dangling from his lip and everything. It just falls out. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the guys, hey. And of course, they're, they're not around. And he just points that wand at Slimer and just fires at him. Uh-huh. And Slimer just screams off. Takes and just off. Takes off. <laughs> and he just rolls down. And it's like the cart is following him. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that. No, Rolling on no, wheels. I, it's almost like it's pulling with him. Oh, I just thought when he shot it, it just rolled off. I don't know. It could be. I mean, I always kind of assumed that it was just like he was like pulling it or something. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe he thought, well, I can take the food with me or something. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you know, Slimer goes to the wall. And then the cart just crashes against the wall. Yeah. Well, no, actually, the thing with Egon and the guy pushing the missiles right after this. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I knew, yeah. I thought I had that flipped around. Then, you know, Pete is, like, walking around in the hall, and then all of a sudden, he Ray. just stops at the end of the hall. Yeah. And then Slimer's at the other end. He just yeah. kind of, he's bolting. And, <laughs> he's just looking at it. <laughs> yeah, Pete just stares, and then he just picks up his uh, walkie-talkie and, like, says, uh, come Ray. in, Ray. And he says... Oh, I see him. I see him. You know, he's here. It's like he's ugly little uh, spud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> says, I, I see him. Yeah, and he says, he's right here. He's, he's looking. right here, Ray. <laughs> he's looking at me. 
And that's when he says, he's, like, like, he's, uh, he's not going to hurt you. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you. <laughs> and then uh, Slimer just starts coming toward Peter. It's like he's going to attack him. And Peter's like screaming, like, ah. All Ray hears is him like yelling. Yeah. And then Ray is like running through the halls to try to get to him. When uh, Ray finally reaches Peter, Peter is laying on the ground. He's just rolling around, and he's just covered in goo. Got that goo that was on the library. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very similar to it. That. Just slimed him. Yeah, he says it, it slimed me, and then he's like, you know, and Ray's just he ain't worried about if Peter's okay. He's like, oh, that's great, actual physical <laughs> contact, you know. And then they call Egon, and you know, they say, you know, Ray's like. You know, or or Peter's, you know, covered in it. Yeah, he says, well, save some of it for me. He says, I seen him. He went into a ballroom. He went into the ballroom down on the yeah. third floor. Yeah. They all make their way into the ballroom. I do love uh, Peter's line while he's on the floor, though. He says, like, I feel so funky. I know. He's yeah. like, God, I feel funky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that line. Funky's such a 80s. Yeah, you don't hear that word anymore. Yeah. That's definitely very 80s. But they uh, basically, they go into the ballroom and they tell the manager of the hotel, said, don't worry about this. Well, you know, basically tell them we got this all under control. Don't worry about it. They go in there and they just kind of peek up there and look. And Slimer is like doing circles around a chandelier in the middle of the floor. Uh And Pete looks up there and says, yep, that's the one that got me. That's the one that got me. (laughs) And then they walk out, and they're just like, okay. You know, and they all point their wands at that. But doesn't Egon tell them, no, nah, I forgot to tell you something. Don't cross the strings. Well, I think that's after this. Oh, is it? That's after this part, yeah. I know, yeah, that's what I was talking about. They fire at Slimer as he's going around the chandelier. And they basically, this chandelier falls and it just... Tears up the ballroom. Yeah, wrecks his table. And then... Uh, Ray's like, oh, oh, no, no, that's my fault. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And Peter's like, don't worry about it. The table broke the, the fall. Yeah. And then this is where Egon like, stops him and says, oh, I need to warn y'all. Don't cross the strings. Yeah, I forgot to tell y'all. Which I always thought people meant that as like a peeing reference. A peeing reference? Yeah, we're like, if guys are peeing together and you are streaming and you... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's what I've heard. <laughs> that sounds like such a guy thing. It is a guy thing. But... um. He warns them, it's like, basically, I guess to boil it down is if you cross the streams. It's too much of a circuit. Yeah, and it can blow back on you yeah. in a way, and it could just disintegrate you. It's some, something roughly like that. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, I remember I heard it described in a little bit more technical terms what they were talking about, but that's it in the nutshell version. That's the thing about Egon, though. Like, he's so smart, but in a way, he just, the way he communicates sometimes, like, he says, why can't we cross the streams? And he goes, trust me, it will be bad. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't try to explain it. He's, it'll just be bad. It'll just be bad. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was described to me one time, and it was basically, it was like, yeah, it would disintegrate you. Then a kind of, I guess Slimer is still up above them, and then they walk over there, and they fire at him again. No, he's not above them. He's over there at this bar. Oh, and then they're drinking firing, wine. Yeah, or something like that. And then they fire at him again. And Egon is just actually shooting his thing. And he can't stop it. He's like a complete, like, Slimer, he's just a complete, like, garbage disposal. Yes. Like, he knows that they just try to shoot him, but he's over there drinking wine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and they just wreck in this place because you can hear the destruction outside the manager's just, like, trying to shield the door from everybody because everybody's <laughs> looking like, what is going on in there? 
And you know, Egon stops firing that thing, and Peter's like, whoa, nice shooting there, Tex. <laughs> <laughs> and then they set out something on the floor, say, okay, you know, set this trap, because he's like right up under it now. Yeah. And then they walk over, and they fire at him, and they catch him in, uh, where, they sh- where they shot him. Uh-huh. And they caught him in it. And outside, the manager's just listening to them tear up the ballroom. Yeah, that's what, yeah. And they keep hearing it. He keeps hearing this out there. And he wants the maintenance man to unlock the ballroom door. Yeah. They caught him in the stream from this uh, proton pack, and they're pulling him down toward the trap. All three of them have gotten caught into it. I think there's one point where Egon tells Peter, says, watch it, you're going to burn my face off with that thing. Because (laughs) they're getting very close to crossing. And they keep pulling him down toward it. And then I think Ray sets the trap, opens it, and then Slimer's pulled in. And, and it, it starts blinking red and they know he's in there. It starts blinking red. Yeah. And he's trapped. And I like Ray just kind of looks out and says, well, that, that wasn't such a chore now, was it? Well, he tore up the whole room. <laughs> yeah, tore up the whole room and Peter got <laughs> slimed and everything. The manager has, is about to have the door burst open just to see how much damage that they did. And they just come out. It's like, you know, uh, I think Peter's like, we came and we saw it. We kicked his ass. We kicked his ass. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Ray says, well, you know, it's like a nasty little, uh, I forgot what they call, call it now. It's some kind of, um, oh, I cannot remember. But he says a very nasty little bugger, basically. So, and this screenplay says non-terminal repeating phantasm. Or class five full Roman vapor. That, that might be it. That might be it. I remember it was some jargon. This screenplay's a little bit different in places. And uh, it's a real nasty one too. Yeah, a real nasty one too. <laughs> Peter, of course, starts talking about price, and you know he says we got a little discount this week, and he four thousand for the entrapment plus a yeah. thousand for proton recharge and storage. And so it'll come to five thousand or four thousand or five thousand all total. And, and then, I won't pay that. Yeah, he says, well, you know, I just I I, will, I refuse to pay it. And they're like, well, I'll tell you what, we could just put it right back in there. Take it back in there. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh no 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 no. no. <laughs> And, you know, he just says, well, you know, I think he cut some of, uh, here's a work order for you and, you mm-hmm. know, expect to pay it. And they head on out. Then we kind of cut to a, kind of a montage of scenes where you're kind of starting to notice that more and more ghost sightings are starting to appear. They're starting to get lots of calls. Yeah. And they're starting to get a lot of calls. I yeah. mean, at first it was nothing. And I, I guess maybe this was the start of all the calls because mm-hmm. it is like showing news reports of various things going on in New York. Yeah. Different kinds of calls. You know, the sightings, I think they're interviewing the Ghostbusters on TV. They're mm-hmm. on newspaper or in newspaper articles, on magazine yep. covers. And it shows them going on calls and yes. running through the street. They're just becoming, like, really popular. You know, they're very busy for, I guess what you say, basically three men trying to hold this all up. Because mm-hmm. it just seems like business is booming and there's only, like, three of them to do it. I'm trying to remember... Does this where we cut to Winston? Yeah, he's coming to interview. Oh, oh, we have that dream where Ray is getting uh, sexually oh, assaulted yes. by the, the ghost. It's like they're on so many calls and they're exhausted and they're yeah. Ray's having a dream about a go a female ghost like floating above his bed. Then he wakes up. I think he wakes up in his dream. He isn't actually awake yet, and she disappears. She's not there. But then his pants start unbuttoning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he like crosses his eyes. Like, oh. Zipping. He just kind of passes out. Yeah. 
I, I always took that as like he's probably handling ghosts so much he's actually dreaming he's having a, a relations with them now. <laughs> That's what that is. Even though I think that scene was supposed to be a subplot that was cut from the movie where he was supposed to have had some kind of thing with a ghost. Oh, really? Yeah, and they just kind of cut it all out and just used that little bit as like a dream sequence or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but I thought I remembered reading that somewhere. But now this is where we cut to Winston, Winston. is standing outside the uh, Ghostbusters, the firehouse, yeah. and he's kind of looking at a paper. I guess he's got the address. That job they interview. Yeah, yeah, job interview. They're, they need another Ghostbuster. Yes, very much so. And he comes in, you know, he's kind of applying for the job, and he's got questions like, do you, you know, I think Janine asked him, do you believe in these kinds of things, paranormal, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And he just kind of looks serious, says, if the paycheck is good, I'll believe whatever you say, which is my philosophy on yeah. things, too. I'm just like, you know, if you're, if the pay is good, just let me know. <laughs> I'll yeah. do whatever. Yeah, and there you go. Pete and Ray walk in. You know, I guess after one of their many excursions, and you can tell that they're just worn out. Worn out. Mm. And they've got a bunch of, and they got another list that Janine hands them of, uh, you know, more calls that they got to go out on. They're like exterminators Yeah, now. Uh, yeah, it's basically, yeah, they're like bug exterminators. So it's, I guess you're just, you're kind of thinking like, why is there so suddenly so many ghosts? Yeah, well. Like they weren't getting any calls and now suddenly they're like swarmed with them. Yeah, swarmed. Janine introduces them to Winston. They say, you know, well, you're hired. Really, I mean, they, they don't really question him at all. I think yeah. they just want to help. And then they hand uh, Winston some of the um, traps and say, well, welcome aboard. You know. <laughs> uh, then we kind of cut to a scene of uh, Dana's walking out of like a concert hall with yeah. this kind of snooty looking guy. She's a celloist. Orchestra. Yeah, that's, like what, I, that's what I was thinking too. Orchestra plays the cello and she. I guess this other guy plays some instrument yeah he's a very kind of stuffy looking yeah guy. he's you know constantly blowing his nose he he has like a red knot nose yeah blowing his nose yeah there he's on coke one <laughs> or two yeah it was the 80s he might have been on coke and as she's talking to him she sees peter kind of spinning in a circle in the yeah he's kind of doing this uh shuffle thing outside <laughs> yeah and she walks over to talk to him and he tells her, and he watched her rehearsal, and that she's the best in her row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually, you know, just kind of looks over at the guy. He said, well, who's that stiff? And who's the stiff? Yeah, and, um, you know, she kind of just, nah. This says he's a violinist. Violinist. Violinist, yeah. Really, she kind of just kind of blows it off like that. He kind of gives her some info on Zul. Yeah. And, like, you know, this kind of Sumerian kind of stuff, like a... Sumerian god of some mm-hmm. kind. And then he said, well, I can, you know, give you all this information over dinner. And he asked her out, you know, I figure I'll come pick you up, you know, later on about nine. <laughs> you know, we can go out to dinner and I can give you all this information. And she's kind of like, oh, God. He's constantly hitting on her and trying to yeah, set up a date. Uh, yeah, but I think she eventually just kind of relents to it. I think he's he's a bit determined. She is kind of drawn to him in a way. Well, and you got to look at it like this. He actually went in there and listened to her play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's a big deal. Probably he's interested that, in what she does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that kind of works to his favor, too. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, she accepts the date and everything, and she goes back and meets up with that guy, and that guy's just kind of like, you know. Who's oh, that? Yeah. I think he had a thing for her. I, I, I kind of gather He's a little jealous too, or and, something. And everything. And, you know, of course, uh, Pete is happy that he got his date. Yep. You know, because he mm-hmm. just starts spinning in the middle of, like, there's some figure skaters or something like that, and he spins around <laughs> with them. 
And then we kind of cut back to the firehouse and Ray is showing Winston how to use the containment unit. What is this? Is this the scene with the Twinkie? Yes. I thought it was. I had it written down somewhere else. Um, Egon's talking about how it's getting really crowded in the containment area. Yeah. With ghosts. Yeah. What's he talking about, like, the amount of energy or whatever would be, like, make this Twinkie the size of, like, how big did he say? Oh, it's almost be, like, what do you say, like, four pounds and something in size. A point being, it's a this big Twinkie. Huge Twinkie. Yeah, he says that's a big Twinkie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. This scene was after the EPA meeting. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, but we, we already established that. Pete is up there, and Janine tells him that there's somebody from the EPA waiting on yeah. him. And he goes into his office, like, okay, whatever. He is introduced. This is uh, Walter Peck. Now, Walter Peck is kind of trying to be this kind of smooth guy at first. But, but do you his, tell he's kind of skeptical of what and, they do and, there? And he's... But then his his cards start to show, and you kind of start to see that he's he's really wanting to know what they're doing. He wants to see the storage facility, and then Pete says, "Well, you have to say the magic word." And he says, "What is that?" He says, "Please, please." And then he says, "Well, can I please see the storage facility?" And then Pete's like, "Why do you want to see it?" And he says, "I want to know more about what you do here." And he wants to know if there's any kind of uh, environmental issues that's causing. And they really kind of get into an argument. Peck says, well, I'll come back with a court order. And he says, well, you come back with a court order. You know, but, you know, you're not going to see it. And that's the end of that. But then that's when we go to the Twinkie scene. Because they're worried that this containment unit isn't going to hold up. Holds, yeah. Because I guess they're getting so much business, this containment unit is getting full. And that's where we had the Twinkie scene. And they say, basically, this storage grid is barely holding up. Oh, this is where he says, well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychonetic energy in New York area. According to the, this morning's readings, the current level is in the, in the city would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. Okay, that's, that's a big, a big Twinkie. Yeah, a, I would totally bite a hunk out of yeah. it. <laughs> you could just like lay on that like a bed and then just, just turn around to eat. <laughs> Just take a nap and just take a bite, then go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Back when Twinkies were good. I've had them recently. They're not good anymore. They're not good anymore. Then we cut to, after this scene, we go back to Dana's apartment, but we're on top of the building. And that's where these um, dogs are, the statues of these dogs. And there's like a storm kind of coming up and everything. And we see something start, the eyes start to glow from these dogs and something like a claw bursting out of them. So something is up there. Something is, you know, coming out. coming out. Yeah. And now we uh, cut to Dana and she's uh, back on the floor of her apartment. She steps out of the elevator and naturally she walks by Lewis's apartment and he comes right out on cue. And he asks, you know, about the party and she says, you know, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I have a date. And then the door closes behind him, and he just looks all sad. He says, you have a date tonight? I know. He's so disappointed that he, you know, he thought she'd come to his party. And then she's like, I'm sorry, Lewis. And he's like, And he's like, oh, well, it's okay. You can bring him along. And then she's like, okay, well, I'll tell you what. We'll uh, stop by before we hit on out. And, you know, he's like all happy. Like, oh, that's great. You know, we'll, <laughs> we're going to play games, and, you know, and there's good food here and everything else. Play and Twister. Play Play Twister. <laughs> And everything, and then she like goes into her apartment, and he turns around, and of course the door's locked, and he's just screaming like somebody let me let in. Me in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> story of his life. Yeah, and uh, Dana's in her apartment. Uh, she's getting ready for a date, and her mom calls, and her mom uh, 
says something like, she said, yeah, I'm going out and, yeah, it's with okay. a Ghostbuster. Yeah, I'm yeah. going out with a Ghostbuster. Yeah, she's like, Those guys on TV. <laughs> yeah. And then you look and see her in her chair. She's getting dressed. And you notice that the door to her kitchen has a glow behind glow it. under it, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, tells her mom she'll talk to her later. She hangs up. And she's just kind of sitting back in her chair for a minute. Then she kind of turns and looks at the kitchen and she sees that light. And then she sees Here's something a, like pushing against, yeah, and growling against the door, kind of like these hands like pushing yeah. up against the door. And as she's about to get up, these arms come out of her chair and grab her and hold her into the chair. Yeah. And I'll always remember when I watched this with my ex boyfriend. Yeah. He tried to tell me that when those hands came out, they pulled her shirt and it showed her boob. Her I, nipple. I never recall seeing that. I, I think he one. was just being a perv. It could be. Because what I saw was she has a purple bodysuit leotard on. Yeah, that's what I was kind of gathering too. It almost was like she just got back from like working out Yeah, or and then she has a gray shirt over it, but like it pulls it to the side, but you don't see a boob or anything. Yeah. As them arms kind of hold her in a chair, the chair spins toward the, that kitchen door, and the door opens, and you see one of these, I guess what you call them, these uh, hellhound kind of yeah, things. I guess big dog things. And there's one behind the door, yeah. and it's growling at her, and then the chair just slides through the door, mm-hmm. and then the door closes behind her. And then we cut back to the roof, and those two dog things, those statues are gone. Are, so well, both they're of, broken apart. Yeah, they're broken apart, yeah. and, and they're gone. So that means there's another one out there. Mm-hmm. So this one, there's one that's already got Dana. And then we cut back to Lewis's party and he's walking around mingling and he's just like a little health nut <laughs> talking about God, what vitamins. Well, he's, ta- he's it's not just a health nut. He's like, he gets everything for the cheapest price that he can. Oh, yeah, like yeah. a bargain, like bundling, like salmon. He gets it for a certain amount of price or vitamins for a certain yeah. count for half of what you'd pay. He's very frugal. Yes. yes. He's an accountant. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, there's a, a couple that comes in and he takes their coats and everything and introduces them to everybody. And then he takes the coats and walks to his bedroom and throws the coats in there. And that's where the second dog is. It's in the closet. It, it's Well, it's in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. And he tosses the coats on its head. Yeah, he tosses the coats <laughs> on his head. And he doesn't see it, though. And he just closes the door behind it. And he's, he's like, you know, and he asks everybody if they're in the mood for a game of Twister or whatever it is, yeah. or something like that. And then all of a sudden you hear a growl come from that room. Everybody's like, what the heck? And then Lewis is like, okay, well, who brought the dog? And then this dog bursts out of that room. Oh, that was where he was talking to, um, on that Casey Kasem's wife. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, he was yeah. like dancing with her. She's real tall and she's saying, I'm leaving. Yeah. She's bored. Yeah, yeah she's bored. <laughs> I don't know how she ended up at this party. She wasn't like anybody else there. No, I, I don't yeah, know no what telling. she was doing there. No telling. Yeah, that's right. That happens before it is. <laughs> and he starts, she's like, he's like, well, dance with me. And she's like, okay. Yeah, and they yeah. start dancing and then that's like, you hear the growling. And yeah, everything. is that what happens? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't remember exactly where that fell. But yeah, that dog bursts out of the room. And everybody just scatters, of course, and takes off. And then Lewis like, runs down the hall. And it's almost like the dog is after him. He's after him. In particular. Yeah, him. and I don't know why. I don't know either. Um, that was very odd. I mean, it's and because Lewis is running across the street and the dog is after him. And if people are seeing this, like, what the hell is this? And Lewis is just like running. And he ends up at this, like a glass... Restaurant. Yeah, it's a restaurant. It's just basically like glass, kind of where you can see out and everything. 
he runs up over there and he's trying to, you know, he's banging on there trying to get in and he can't get in. And then this dog, he hears him growling behind him. Yeah, and he's like turning around like, dog, maybe I got a milk bone. Yeah, good doggy. Yeah, maybe I got a milk bone. Why you'd have a milk bone in your pocket, I don't know. <laughs> and then he's like uh, turned around and he starts screaming. And he's like, oh, ah. then he just slides down on the ground. And people there are looking out at him, they just look for a second. Then turn around and just go back to what they're doing again. Like, maybe somebody uh, didn't just get killed. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> That uh, that's uh, that just lack of uh, concern from New Yorkers, I guess, is what that comment is. <laughs> then we kind of cut back to, I guess, Dana's apartment, and Pete is uh, Peter's there to, I guess, he's arriving there to pick up Dana for their date. And you know, he mentions to the people who are who are there, you know, he's here to go up to Dana Barrett's apartment, and that they let him through. And he goes up to her floor, and he kind of walks by, and he notices that that door's like bursted open, and there's wood everywhere. He gets to Dana's apartment door, and he knocks on the door. And she opens the door, and she's wearing like like sexy, like a red dress, red and she's dress like made and up and everything. It's almost like the air's blowing her hair. Yeah, I know. Yes, yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she says, "Are you the key master?" The key master, and he says, "No, no." And then she slams the door in his face. And then he just like. Okay. Okay. And and, he he looked, tries to look through the hole. Yeah, yeah. And then he knocks again, and she does the same thing. She's like, "Are you the key master?" And he said, "Yeah." Yes, I am. So she lets him in. Apparently, yeah, Dana is possessed. Yeah. And she and Pete just asks, "Okay, what are we doing here?" You know, and everything. And she says, "Well, we're waiting on the." Uh, she says, "I'm Zul. I'm the gatekeeper." And I'm waiting. We're waiting for the coming of Gozer. Yeah. Pete's just kind of like, "Okay, okay." Yeah, and he's just kind of trying to get information out of her. I think it's basically she's trying to get with Pete. She's Peter. trying to seduce him. She's like. Do you want this body? Yeah. He's like she's getting down on the seductively on the bed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Trying to seduce him. Yeah. You know, he's like, is this a trick question? <laughs> he's trying to talk to her, trying to get information out of her, but she keeps trying to yeah. seduce him until eventually she kind of gets his demonic voice. Yeah. Because he keeps calling her Dana. Uh-huh. And she's like, like, there's I'm, no more Dana. It's only, only Zool. Only yeah. Zool. Then she starts getting kind of agitated, and she levitates over the bed. Yeah. Then he kind of turns around. You know, she kind of rolls over mm-hmm. on top, and like he says, oh, are we still going out or something like that? She growls at him. <laughs> and then we cut back to Lewis, who is apparently still alive, but you could tell he's not what he was. It's like he's almost kind of possessed himself. But he is um, the key master of Gozer. This is who Dana's looking for. Yeah. And then he goes over and talks to the horse because he thinks a horse is the <laughs> gatekeeper. And then it's a guy who owns the horse says, well, get out of here. You know, da, da. Lewis runs off and says, you know, time is coming or some kind of stuff like that. And he bolts off. And then we cut to the firehouse. And this is, uh, there's a police officer knocking on the door. And I think. Egon and. Or Janine opens the door, says picking up or dropping off. Yeah. And the cop says dropping off. And then Egon goes outside with her. And they go to the back of the van. And they got Lewis in the back of a paddy wagon. And he's uh, just talking like, you know, he's like the key master and everything. And then Egon puts that uh, detector up and it just (laughs) goes right off the charts. And it's like, we need to bring him in here. Yep. And then they have him inside, 
and they got them electrodes hooked to him like he was talking like he had Dana earlier. But mm-hmm. if you look at that monitor behind him, he looks like a dog. Yeah. I, I was tripping out with the thingy. It's like a um, spaghetti strainer yeah. with wires to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're questioning him, and he's talking about all the previous comings of Gozer. And yeah. I guess apparently all these previous comings of Gozer didn't quite go the way they were planned or something. No. Because the world didn't end, I guess. Mm-mm. Egon is like, okay. <laughs> you know? And then this is about the time. I can't remember if there was a call, if Peter called Egon. I'm trying to remember. But Egon's on the phone with Peter. Yeah, about Dana. Yeah, he says, Dana, is, you know, talks about the gatekeeper. And he says, well, Egon's like, well, guess what? We got the key master right here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, apparently we got to get these yeah, two together. Yeah, we need to get these two together. And figure out what's going on. And then Peter says something weird. He shot her up with Thorazine. Yeah, to make her sleep. Why the hell would you be carrying Thorazine? Oh, I don't know. With you? That's very odd. I, I always thought about that line over the years, and I'm like, that's a weird thing to take out on your date with you, unless you're Bill Cosby. <laughs> I was about to uh, say that. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that was just very strange. Like, where did he get Thorazine? You know, at that time of night, was the, why did he have it on him? Anyway, yeah, everybody's got talking, okay, we need to get these two together because there's something going on here. This is, now this is where the scene where we're talking about where Ray and Winston are in the car. And Ray is kind of looking over the structures of this building, this apartment building Dane lives in. And he says, it's very weird. There's something very off about this. Yeah. And then this is where they start talking about the Judgment Day, where, you know, they're talking about how the seas boil and the skies fell and the Mm -hmm. moon turns into blood. Ray says, well, everybody has these myths about the end of the world. And Winston's like, you know, well, a myth, huh? He says, well, have you ever figured out, you know, that the reason that we're so busy nowadays is the dead have been rising from the grave, which is basically one of the things of Judgment Day. And Ray's just like, oh, God. And I, turn on some music. And they just turn on some music and keep driving. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly after that, we cut to, I guess it's the next morning, and the EPA arrives at the firehouse. And this is Mr. Peck with his court order. Yeah, and he's going to shut down their containment. He basically buffaloes his way in there, and he says, we're shutting down this power, this uh, containment grid. This is about the time, you know, Egon's trying to stop them. Janine's trying to stop them. And this is when Peter shows up, yeah. and he's trying to smooth this situation over. Peck is just like, I'm having none of this. This yeah. thing, we're shutting this thing down. And Peter's like, you shut this thing down. I'm not going to be held responsible for what happens. None yeah. of us are, but you. And Peck's like, no, y'all will be responsible for what yeah. happens. And even the cop and all of them and the guy that's there, they don't want to do it. Because no. they said, this. we don't know what this is. We don't know what's going to happen. But Peck is very insistent. I got my court order. I want it shut down. Peter and Egon are like, okay. You notice them start to ease their way up the stairs yep. away from this Get containment from unit. And then finally, this guy just walks over and he cuts the power. And then this thing starts to, the alarm starts going off. And everybody's like, oh, shit. What did we just do? And they all run out of the building because dust and wind start swirling and everything. And they're outside and a hole blows itself up out of the firehouse. It's like a color, uh, like a technicolor kind of light. Yeah, pink and yeah, Yeah. color. So all these ghost spirits are coming out of that containment thing and they're coming back into the all these sky. ghosts that they've been catching recently they just are loose let them out. They, yeah, yeah they literally let them all out and they're flying through the city dana wakes up as soon as this containment grid goes off you start seeing these ghosts you know there's a taxi cab one slimer is back out yes. and everything and she's just like walking 
Dana's walking to her window. It's just like looking at this, like this is a sign of the apocalypse. This is something that's supposed to happen. And these ghosts are popping up everywhere. And then it's about the time her whole side of her building blows up, blows up with her. She's still, she's fine. Yeah, she's, she's fine. just standing there. Yeah. Of course, we do cut to Peck wants these guys arrested. The Ghostbusters arrested because this is when Ray and Winston show up and they want them all arrested. And this is the first time you see Egon flip out. Yeah, he just goes for his throat. Yeah. And of course, the ghosts keep coming out of the top, coming out of the top. And this is here where we're going to cut to the break because uh, we're going to see how the Ghostbusters resolve this little incident. Shit's that they, just hit the fan. Yeah, it's hit the fan. And after we get back, uh, we will go to the conclusion of Ghostbusters. At the stroke of midnight, on New Year's Eve of the last decade of the 20th century, America's largest city is about to pay for the nastiness of its inhabitants. When that day comes, when the slime starts to rise, the Titanic just arrived. When ghosts start arriving by the boatload, we gotta find the guys. There's only one thing to do. Sometimes weird things happen. Someone has to deal with it. And who are you gonna call? Suck in the cuts, guys, with the Ghostbusters. The superstars of the supernatural are back to nuke the spooks. Two in the box. Ready to go. We be fast and they be slow. Make some time. Don't put any of those old cheap moves on me. No, no, no. It's different. I have all new cheap moves. Raise your spirits. If we don't do something by midnight, you will be remembered in history as the man who let New York get sucked down into the 10th level of hell. And kick some slime. Looks like a giant jello mold. I hate jello. Oh, come on. There's always room for jello. Happy New Year. Close them. Ghostbusters 2. You're short. Your belly button sticks out too far, and you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, and Ernie Hudson in an Ivan Reitman film. Ghostbusters 2. We're the best, we're the beautiful, we're the only Ghostbusters. And we follow up. The Ghostbusters are in jail. And they are, and, and somehow they are allowed to have their blueprints in the jail cell. I don't really know <laughs> how this works out. But they're looking over the blueprints and they, basically it seems like Ray has kind of figured out that these blueprints, it's almost like this building was built as a conduit. And it's like the center of everything. Yeah, it's like the center of this. It's, yeah. it's built to attract supernatural and all these kinds of uh, entities. Mm -hmm. They kind of come to the conclusion this is a, basically a Sumerian god is going to be attacking New York City. Then we kind of cut back to Dana in her apartment building. Mm -hmm. And she's like in a chair. Or, of course, she is the gatekeeper. And then uh, Lewis bursts in and he is the key master. And they meet. 
and they go up these uh, stairs that are going up from, I guess, from Dana's room to what the roof. It was to the roof. There's storms rolling around and everything on top of the roof. And then uh, the Ghostbusters are basically brought out of jail because the mayor wants to see them. So they go to the, they are brought to the mayor's office. And the mayor is dealing with a meeting right now where people are seeing things that are abnormal. People are seeing all these spirits. There's one guy that says there's the walls on one of the precincts is bleeding. Stuff, just these wild things going on. And then the Ghostbusters are brought into the mayor's office. And of course, Peck is there to show his ass. The mayor is not talking to him and Peck says that he wants these people kept in jail because of their environmental stuff and what they're causing. Ray says, well, he says everything was all right till uh, Dickless over here shut off the power grid. And, you know, Peck gets mad and is about to attack them. And they say, well, is this true? You know, Mary says, is this true? Peter's like, yep, this man has no dick. Has no dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just rallying him up, I mean, and everything. And about that time... Um, I guess a pastor or clergyman comes in to meet with the mayor. Archbishop. Yeah, Archbishop. There you go. Because <laughs> they're, they're thinking this is a something of biblical proportions. Yeah, it's like a, the... So uh, we better get the church involved. Yeah, it's like in the God and time wrath of God kind of stuff. You know, dogs and cats living together, you know, mass hysteria. <laughs> mass hysteria. Uh, yeah, and... Um, and I think the mayor's kind of just looking to this uh, archbishop, you know, like, what should I do and everything. And and then Winston kind of steps up and yeah. he says, you know, I've been only working with these guys for a few weeks. And he says, trust me, these things are real. Are real. And, you know, he was, he say, I've seen shit that'll turn you white. <laughs> He's black. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I always love that line. And then um, Peter walks up to the mayor and just basically says, look, there's something, you know, basically tells him there's something going on here. And he says, if it's not anything, then he says, we'll go to jail peacefully. We'll enjoy it. But he says, if we are right, he says, you have just saved the lives of millions of registered voters. Yep. Playing to his political, political sense. And then Peck walks up and says, I don't believe you're actually listening to this man. <laughs> and the mayor looks at them both back and forth. And then he points to Peck says, get him, get out, him of out of here. Yeah. No more Peck. Yeah, no more Peck and, uh, <laughs> until we see him a little while later. And then uh, Peter's like, well, I'm going to really miss him. <laughs> and then the mayor just looks at him and says, well, what do you need from me? And then all of a sudden, well, we see like military people outside yep. and cops. It's basically like the Blues Brothers toward the end of where <laughs> every, everybody and their mother is there. The Ghostbusters are getting a police and army escort to this building. There's a crowd gathered out in front of this building because people are seeing this thing. It's yeah. like isolated at this building. And they see the Ghostbusters. They're like, oh, you yeah, know, they're yeah, here to save yeah, us. Yeah, cheering them all. Yeah. yeah, there's this big fanfare for the Ghostbusters. And, you know, they get out and they're playing to the crowd and everything. And they're getting their gear ready and all. And they're going to go in and take care of this. And then they step out there in front of the building. And there's stuff that starts like collapsing off the building the road and everything and the street starts opening up yeah. and they fall into it and everybody's I, like oh my god oh my god are they are they uh, dead and everything and nope they come out of the hole they fell into and they're like you know nothing could stop us you know we're going to go in and take care of this and everything basically and everybody's just like cheering out ghostbusters and everything and then they clasp their hands together like we're going in and this is big rally big fanfare and one of my favorite cuts ever, they walk in. The next scene, you see them walking up these steps about to die. 
And they're just like, oh. If the elevator's not working, I guess. Yeah, that's it. And they say, how how far how far are we? We're in the teens. She's far up. Yeah, she's on the 20-something second floor. Yeah. And they're like in the, or in the low teens somewhere. <laughs> and through this whole movie, they are all like cigarette, puffing cigarettes. Yeah. It was all like Peter's line. <laughs> like, let me, know, let me know when we get uh, into the 20s. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> you know? Because I love that, just that big rally outside. Then you cut to them and they're like, oh. You know, I always loved that. And then they finally get on the floor and you could be like, oh, okay, we're actually <laughs> on the floor. Then we cut to the key master and the gatekeeper are on an altar and they have done their uh, biblical duties. <laughs> and Did they sleep together? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you see Lewis's pants are unbuttoned. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Go, Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Lewis, uh, he don't probably remember it, of course. Aww. The Ghostbusters are in Dana's apartment and they walk up and they see them stairs. And they said, where do these stairs go? And Peter's like, they go up. <laughs> oh, no. And they're about to walk. And then all of a sudden, they see th- they hear thunder and everything. And Peter's like, you go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> you know, shuffling them on up. And then we kind of cut back to the roof. And Dana and Lewis get on each side of an altar. And they're standing there and they're holding their arms in the air. Just mm-hmm. as the Ghostbusters get up there and see. And they look, and then lightning hits both Dana and Lewis. And Peter's just like, no. And then all of a sudden, they turn into them dogs. dogs. Like gargle dogs gargle or dogs. something. Yeah. They just kind of look, and then the dogs kind of shuffle up them steps. Yeah. And then Peter kind of looks at him and says, oh, okay, so she's a dog. She's a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's when this door opens as the dogs get up there mm-hmm. to the top. Then that's where we see a woman walk out. A woman, out, yeah. Out. She's got like red eyes and it's like really cropped dark hair. Yeah, and she's got like a skin tight suit on. Yeah, but it's like weird. It's kind of got this weird kind of uh, strange looking like scales. Yeah. On it. yeah. Yeah. And she like, you know, is petting her dogs. They just look at her and it says, uh, well, I think Winston says, is that I thought Gozer was a man. And then I think he goes, uh, Gozer is whoever he wants to be. So he, this is just how he chooses to appear. Yeah. Right now, like a uh, 1980 supermodel. Then they said, Peter's like, well, they're not, she's not going to be able to get by us. Go get her, Ray. <laughs> yeah. Go get her. Get her. <laughs> yeah, get her. That always worked before. That worked before. So try that again. <laughs> and then he walks up and says, uh, you know, basically tells her to leave forthwith and go back to your uh, previous dimension. I wish I had written that down. Yeah, I do too. Because that's like the perfect speech. Hilarious. Yeah, it's almost like a cop giving you a citation warning or something. I remember when the pandemic started, I saw a meme. Yeah. But it was talking about COVID. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Go back to your... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know... After Peter hears him say this speech, uh, it's like, well, that, that, that should do it. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Yeah. And then... Um, Gozer says, are you a god? And then... Uh, Ray says, like, no. Uh, no. And then she just shoots lightning out and says, then die. Then die. And she fires like lightning uh, at them like, or something. Yeah. And nearly blows them off the side of the building. Side of the building. And they're hanging there. And they nearly, you know, I think they barely pulled themselves back up at least a couple of them. And then Winston's there, and he says, you know, Ray, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say, say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and then that's when Peter is like, okay, you know, this chick turn here. turn this chick into toast. Uh, yeah. And then they walk up, all of them in line, and they grab the sticks, and they heat them up, and they point at her, and then they fire. You know, in the screenplay, goes her as a man. Oh, wow, really? It's some kind of carpenter. 
from generations. Oh. I was just looking. So this is a thin, hollow-cheeked, distinguished-looking man in his early 60s. Wow. His eyes are burning red, pinholes. He looks around at the spectacular rooftop. And then Egon says, it's Shandor, the art- architect oh. of the building. Huh. So it didn't come through like a woman in the movie. Wow. That, so that, you must have a, a <laughs> yeah. earlier draft there. But as they fire on Gozer, she like flips through the air. Yeah, and they lands miss on, her. Yeah, and she lands on another altar yeah. on the other side. And I know Peter's like, well, that's a nimble little man. Isn't she? <laughs> and then they are like, okay, let's turn them on full this time. And then they shoot at her again, and she just kind of stands there. And then she just disappears. Disappears. And then they're like looking, they're like, did we just destroy this? Did we win here? And, you know, Winston's like, well, we got the tools, we got the talent. And then Peter's like, it's Miller time. No, and then, but uh, Egon is doing something with his, uh, I guess that little uh He's scanner. always got the little scanner thing. Yeah, and he's like, no, basically we shouldn't be celebrating yet because this looks extremely bad. It's basically like the things are off the charts. Something's about to happen. And then you hear of the voice of Gozer saying the traveler has come. And like, yeah. choose the form of your destructor. They don't understand. They say, so whatever comes into your mind, mind is what will, what be, will be the chosen. form to yeah. destroy you. Everybody says, well, don't think of anything. Don't Just do wipe anything. Your... Yeah, wipe your memory clean. And then you hear a voice, the choice is made. <laughs> and everybody's like, no, no. <laughs> and uh, they say, I didn't choose anything. And then I say, Egon, you didn't choose anything. Winston, you didn't choose anything. And then Ray's they look kind at of Ray, backing and, away. And they say, Ray. And they said, I can't help it. I just came in there. And they said, oh, my God, what, what did you it? do? What did you do, Ray? And then they hear something stomping like Godzilla <laughs> coming. And they're like, oh, God, what did you do? And then they walk over to the corner of the building. And then you see something. It was like a Pillsbury Doughboy's it's head. big Stay puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, and then that's what he says. He says, uh, I, it's the Stay puff Marshmallow Man. And this thing walks around the corner just like... <laughs> Just stomping things. I tried to, I tried to think of the most innocent thing I could. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Something he used to know when he went to Camp yeah. Wakanda or whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, when we roast marshmallows, and everybody's like, "Well, Ray's went bye bye." And uh, Egon's like, uh, "You got any?" And they ask Egon, "You got any ideas?" And he says, "I'm petrified with fear." You know, I've, you know, irrational thought basically. And then that marshmallow man is stomping through and then he looks up at him and just growls at the ghostbuster <laughs> he's mad. yeah he's mad and like peter's like mother puss bucket well he's like stepped on a church yeah and then he's like walking up toward him and he steps on a church and peter's like nobody steps on a church in my town they start shooting at him and they say and then they light, light him up and say one two three and then this thing's crawling up the building they fire at it and then mm-hmm. they're burning i bet it smells like marshmallows roasted marshmallows <laughs> yeah. on the ground they're firing at it it's like burning this marshmallow man's burning they cut it off they're just like we got to do something this ain't working and mm-hmm. they say well we can cross the streams and try to turn the door back the other way. We turn the door back the other way. It'll pull everything back yeah, inward. But they think they're going to die. Yeah. And they're like, well, if we cross the streams, we're going, yeah, we're going to die yeah. if we do this. And they're like, well, let's do this. We got to do it. We got to do it. Save the world. Save the world. Save the world. And they walk up to the front of the door and they start to heat up the things and they look at each other like, I'll see you on the other side. And they fire into it. And they pulled their streams together into one big fire, you know, thing. And it just pushes into the door just as that marshmallow man, which is weird saying this, a giant marshmallow man is coming <laughs> up the side of a building. And just as they push the door to the other way, 
there's this giant explosion uh-huh. on top of the building. It blows the building up. You see the marshmallow man literally disintegrate. And it's just a, a cataclysmic explosion on top of this building. Because even everybody on the ground is like, oh, my God, oh, my oh God. Oh, no, the Ghostbusters have just died. Yeah, they don't know what happened. And this marshmallow stuff is falling everywhere. <laughs> and that's where you see Walter Peck down there yep. on the ground. And he's just, that stuff just hits him hard. He's covered in Covered it. in marshmallow. Covered in it. And then after the explosion settled down and everything, the building is kind of quiet. The Ghostbusters, they're still alive. They're covered in marshmallow goo, <laughs> but they're alive. And then they all get up and walk around, check to see if each other's okay. Everybody's fine. You know, just covered in marshmallow, but they're fine. Peter walks over to like a burnt thing of one of them dogs. And he just kind of looks at it like, you know, Dana, she's gone. Because I think Ray says it smells like barbecue like dog hair. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he kind of walks away. Then he starts hearing some breaking off of one of them dogs. And then he looks over there and then he sees a hand coming out. And then he just runs back over and starts breaking. Because she's trying to come yeah, back she's out. she's trying to get out. Yeah. And then he breaks it open and she's in there and she's alive. She kind of comes out of it and looks at him and says hi. Yeah. So she's okay. And Louis. Then you hear Louis like, somebody hell. turn on the lights. And he's, he's got like, my hand on it. Yeah. And he's like, and everybody's like, go help the little guy. <laughs> then they are talking to uh, Louis and everything. And, you know, as uh, Peter's checking out Dana and she's okay. And Egon's like, you know, Egon and Ray says, you know, you've just been through something uh, cataclysmic here and you've been through all this. And he says, we want to run some tests on you and everything. He's like, okay, okay. okay. And he says, we would like to take a sample of your brain tissue too. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and then Winston's like, I love this town. And then we cut to the end and the Ghostbusters are leaving and the Ghostbusters mm-hmm. seems playing and everybody's cheering and everything. Yep. They load their gear up. Lewis is like wanting to go with the Ghostbusters and, you know, he's wanting to do an interview about what happened happened even though i don't know if people even remember it and the ghostbusters get in their car and drive off and then as they're driving off slimer comes going through to uh, you know he's still flying around town and we go to credits go to credits credits. okay um yeah and a great movie a great (laughs) movie so uh do you want to do some of your trivia first i mean i got a few things i don't have to read a few things okay yeah go right Um, ahead when Lewis Tully mingles with his party guests, commenting on the price of salmon and so on, the scene is one continuous shot and almost entirely improvised. Yeah, I noticed that there was no cuts in that scene. Yeah. I didn't realize it was improvised. Almost none of the scenes were filmed as scripted. Most had at least one ad lib. Most of Bill Murray's lines are ad libs. Yeah, I heard that before. Yes. When Vankman mentions that the time Spangler tried to drill a hole in his head, Spangler's response, that would have worked if you hadn't have stopped me. <laughs> I was actually ad-libbed by Harold Ramis. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, this movie was ad-libbed. After Harold Ramis died on February 24th, 2014, fans of the movie paid tribute to him by visiting the New York City firehouse used in the exterior shots and created a makeshift memorial yeah. featuring Nestle's Crunch Bars in reference to Vankman giving Spangler a candy bar. Twinkies in reference to Spangler using the Twinkie to describe the ghost problem in New York City and collections of spores, molds, and fungus. (laughs) Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Hal Ramis only intended to write the film. He decided to play Egon after he felt he was the best person suited for the role. And he was. Yeah, he was. Sigourney Weaver recalled, I once had a fire in my apartment and the firemen came to put it out. One of them opened up my refrigerator and said, whoa, you better call the Ghostbusters. (laughs) 
Look at all the junk food. Let's look, I'll just do one more. This was the highest grossing comedy of all time until Home Alone, 1990. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And then one more. The terror dogs that come to life were actual statue designs in an old church in Philadelphia. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't know that at all. Okay. So that's all you got? Yeah. Okay. I mean, as I said, a lot of the behind the scenes of this movie is known, but I mean, I'm going to throw out a few things myself. Uh, the budget of this film may never really have been able to pinpoint. They've said it's somewhere between 25 to $30 million. Wow. And for 1984 money, that's a lot. This movie was originally written for Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Oh. Because Aykroyd was actually working on this script at the time Belushi died. Uh, I think Belushi was actually going to be the lead. I'm assuming he was going to be the Vinkman character. But, I, he would have been a good fit, I think. I think it depends because now what I'm going to go into next is what's going to be different about this. Okay. This original concept on how Ackroyd was writing it is the Ghostbusters could travel through space. Oh. And were ghostbusting, I assume, on other planets, too. Oh, weird. And it was set in the future. And okay. the Marshmallow Man was a character in the movie. It And the original story tone was a little more serious and scary yeah. than what we got here. I don't know. I mean, to me, I always wonder, you always kind of wonder when you hear these different casting choices on something, if it would have been yeah. how it would have been. I don't know. I mean, it might have been just as good. You don't know. He's kind of got that sarcastic kind of yeah. personality. Well, well, Murray and Belushi were very similar. similar. Very similar. Yeah. I think uh, it would have been interesting to, you know, to go to an alternate reality to yeah. see how that would have worked. <laughs> Uh, the film was a very rushed production. Between the release date, there was only 13 months before the film had to be out. They had no script, no start date for filming, no by cast, no nothing. Wow. So 13, that's a that's a short turnaround for this mm. movie. You know, surprisingly, they pulled it off. John Candy was offered the role of Lewis Tully. Wow. Originally. Well, that would have been weird. But he turned down the idea because he wanted to play the characters a German with a bunch of dogs. And they were they were kind of looking at him playing more of a kind of a nebbish guy. You know how his character was in a vacation? The little security guard, <laughs> yeah. the little nerdy security guard. Um, yeah, I think they was looking at him playing it more along those lines, but he wanted to do something a little different, like a German thing. And they were just, you know, it just didn't quite work out. Wally World's closed. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're closed. <laughs> the film was the number one movie in America for about seven weeks. Wow. Until Purple Rain knocked it off of the top slot. Wow. But then Purple Rain was knocked off the week after that by Ghostbusters again. It went back to number one oh, for wow. another week or two. So basically, Purple Rain's uh, reign was brief uh, <laughs> at number one. Yeah. And my final thing, the worldwide total profit of this film at the time it was released was $280 million. Which is a nice little haul for uh -huh. that movie, particularly back for back at that time. But that is all the trivia that I have here. So I'm going to pass it on to you and let's see what your final thoughts are on this movie. Oh, I love this movie. Okay, I, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> period. <laughs> period. That's <laughs> my review. Sentence. That's my review. It's just like you. it never gets old watching this movie. No. You just die laughing every no, time. No. The chemistry between the characters is just awesome. Like, they just play off of each other so well, and you just enjoy watching them. They seem like they're really genuinely friends, and they exactly. probably were in real life. You know, that's kind of sad when you mm -hmm. see the other movies, how it, you know, things play out between them, but... Yeah, we'll get into that. This was on my list as a bonus 
I knew we were going to do it sometime this year. We just kind of fit our bonuses where. Yeah, we, we just record them when we can. We just record them and then just throw them somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I'll always enjoy this movie. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'll ever. I, there's nothing I don't like about this movie. It's never boring. It's it's so funny. Like, they just don't make movies like this anymore. Where everything just falls in place. Yeah. It's perfect. But that's about it. That's about it? Yeah. Okay. I love it. Um, I guess out of one to ten Slimers... 10 being the best, 1 being the worst. Uh, what was your uh, rating for this I'll one? I'll give it a 10. A 10. 10. Okay. Ooh, that's a, <laughs> a serious number out there. That's a, that's, a, that's a perfect film. All right. So, and that is everything you that's got. That's it. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to echo some similar things that you said here. I mean, this is definitely one of those rare films where, to me, everything just clicks. I mean, everything just clicks together from the cast the story holds up pretty well, which is surprising to me considering that for the most part, they just kind of made some of this up as they went. Because I was mortified when I listened to the audio commentary years ago on my DVD and had Reitman and Harold Ramis on there. Because they were actually, you know how Mystery Science Theater, they have the little three heads thing there on the bottom, what you mm, call it? Yeah. That was what the commentary was. It was like Harold Ramis and them were sitting there in the corner like the Mystery Aww. Science Theater and they were pointing <laughs> the stuff on the screen. And they were talking about how, oh yeah, the script wasn't done yet. We were rewriting it as we went because it was such a rush production. The special effects weren't done at the time. I don't know, it's just amazing to me to hear this kind of thing and they pulled this film together like they did. This is a movie where literally everybody was at the height of their power at the time creatively and everything mm-hmm. murray Aykroyd, ramus reitman all of them they they yeah. had this thing down and it just came together into it, a masterpiece and it, yeah it just came together i don't know it's just one of those films that's just nearly a perfect comedy mm-hmm. and it's a comedy there's some scares in it yeah i mean for a little kid i imagine some of this would be scary i mm-hmm. mean i have to admit when i seen it when i was a kid the opening scene in the library was kind of creepy and stuff like that. And there was little creepy aspects to it. I don't know. It's just, I can't sit there and fathom. I haven't read many reviews of this film over the years, but I remember reading something about how this film doesn't hold up. Really? Now I'm going to throw these things out at you. The Bill Murray character would be me too now. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking. Mm-hmm. in the film and now this is the cardinal sin right there i don't know if i agree with the me too thing he was kind of a uh lecherous kind of guy but he didn't actually sit there and, and uh but he wasn't he didn't really cross the line no no he didn't cross the line or, or my line he wouldn't have i th- i would have just laughed at him i mean he wasn't know? going around uh locking girls in rooms and grabbing no. their asses or anything like that now so, why was carrying the Thorazine. Thorazine, but he is a doctor. Well, so, I, that's how I justified it yeah. in my head. He was already a doctor, so yeah. maybe he, I don't know why he would happen <laughs> to have that on him, but okay, you can let that go. But the cardinal thing I heard about this, and this is from people of this new generation. This movie is dull. Oh, Jesus. Dull. It's almost like when I heard you call Raiders of the Lost Art dull. This movie right here is not dull. <laughs> I'm going to punch you out. Uh, you. If, <laughs> If everybody could see this, if this was a video podcast, my face is covered in bruises right now where I get punched oh, regularly. Oh, Lord. So, yep. I'm about to go to a men's shelter. But anyway, <laughs> I was just blown away when I heard dull from this movie. No. I can't fathom where you would think this movie's dull because well, it moves pretty steady. You have to think about this generation. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't know, it just kind of falls into my review of this and that I see these kinds of things and none of this factors into my review. I, I mean, to me, this film, you set up your characters, you set up the, what things are going to be, and then mm-hmm. you're moving. So I don't know. It's just, I mean, like I said, I'm going to echo pretty much everything you've said uh, for mm-hmm. the most part. This is just like a perfect comedy movie. Masterpiece. And it's in my top 10. If I had to pick a top 10 of my favorite films, this movie would be in that top 10 somewhere. Yep. Easily. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with my 1 to 10 Slimers, mm-hmm. and mine is going to be yours. It's going to be 10. Wow. This is a 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a movie I could literally put this... I was watching it again last night before we were going to do the podcast today. Yeah. I was just all into it and enjoying it again, and God knows how many times I've seen this movie. Oh, I, could not, I could not count how many times I've I seen know. this movie. It never gets old. No. I mean, it's just one I could watch any time. And like I said, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. I mean, of course, it's got its flaws. Of course, every movie has its flaws. No film is perfect. But this film is as close to perfect for what it's doing that you can get. And that's it. That's my review of Ghostbusters. I told everybody, are you listening? <laughs> this isn't going to be a hate cast on no, this at all because no. we love this movie. And we don't agree with the new people's opinions. Yeah, all this stuff with Dole and all this kind of like whatever. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. Go watch a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> all right. <laughs> But I figure if you want to, we will do a little bit of a brief discussion on okay. the two uh, sequels that are okay. out. And I kind of want to get your, maybe your, just your passing thoughts on, say, we'll do Ghostbusters 2 first. Okay. What did you think of that one? I, lo- I enjoyed it too, but nowhere near as the original. It had a lot of play-ons of the first one. Yeah. You know, it was just like they kind of repeated some things, mm-hmm. some themes. Yes. But I thought, uh, you know, the whole, the guy that came out of the picture... What was his name? Oh, um, uh, Vigo? Vigo. Vigo. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, I haven't watched that one in a while, actually. That was, you know, real interesting. Then the the relationship with the little Oscar, oh, you the know. Oh, little, little boy, yeah. Dana had had a baby. Yeah. In the second one. I guess her and Peter didn't stay together. No, they didn't. Um, well, there's a thing about it. Everybody speculated was that Peter's kid. No, because she says his father uh, but I was, you never heard specifically how long they had been apart at the time. Mm-mm. And everybody kind of speculated. And I'm like, yeah, they kind of left it vague. I mm-hmm. mean, I guess you could look at, was that his kid? Was it not his kid? You don't really know. It kind of made it seem like no. That's what I was gathering. Like too. she moved on and yeah. had a baby with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gathering too. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed that one. You know, it's not as good as the original. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I kind of, uh, is that all you got to say on the second one? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't have no problems with it either. Well, I mean, I'm kind of in a similar way with you. I like Ghostbusters 2. I, my problems with Ghostbusters 2 kind of come to how they explained some of the things. Like how the Ghostbusters were all of a sudden, like everything that happened in the original, people said it didn't. And I was just like, well, that's kind of lazy. Yeah. Right there, because literally a building was crashing down. Mm-hmm. All this, everybody seen a marshmallow man walking in the middle of the city. How do you explain that away? Well, and kind of dis- some dis- people think nine eleven didn't happen. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> so maybe maybe it's a little more on point than I thought. But I don't know. It's just like I didn't understand where you had to basically turn them back into underdogs again to build them back up again. Yeah. What I would have did is expanded it and made them like bringing in some new people to help out too, and like a bigger kind of threat of some mm-hmm. kind. I don't know. I like Ghostbusters too. 
I mean, I even enjoyed it when I went seeing it in the theater when it mm-hmm. came out. And, you know, a lot of people didn't like it at the time. And I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think it's solid enough and I enjoy it. It's got some really great lines in it, too. I like the stuff where the Titanic reappears back at the dock. Yeah, you the, know, um, Statue guys, of Liberty. Statue of Liberty is walking around and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I, I enjoy the movie. I mean, it's not one I go back to as much as the original one. I enjoy it for what it is. I mean, I, it's a good, like, if you want to watch, like, a Ghostbuster night. Yeah. And just watch them back to back. Yeah, I mean, I've done that before. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can understand where people don't like it. I think even Bill Murray isn't a huge fan of it, and that's what kept him from yeah. going back to doing another Ghostbusters yeah. movie for years because he just did not like how that movie yeah, turned he, out at he, all. He wanted a certain script yeah. before he would return. Yeah. I mean, I can understand it. I mean, to me, overall, I enjoy it. And I'm going to say, if if you're one of the Ghostbusters fans who haven't watched it in a while or kind of are reluctant to go back to it, I'd say kind of give it another look and just kind of look at it with some fresh eyes. You know, see see what you think now. But that's uh, mine on Ghostbusters too. Okay, now we'll go into Afterlife, the most recent film. Now, what we, did you think of this one? We only watched it once. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I fell asleep the first time, but it didn't have anything to do with the movie. I just didn't feel well. Yeah, but yeah I remember you were very tired. I was so surprised how much I loved this movie. Yeah. I just, I thought it was going to be, it just wasn't going to be good yeah. at all. It was so good. I loved the characters. It made you cry. Mm-hmm. It just made you feel so nostalgic mm-hmm. for the original. It was so good. And as soon as we can buy it, we're going to buy it, I think. We already oh, we, we did buy it. Yeah, that's you right. watched it here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't get to see it in the theater. That's right. You yeah. went yeah. by yourself. Yeah. I had to work. I love this movie. Yeah. I, I just love the the little callbacks to the original and the little connections between the characters. And, yeah. You know, like the little granddaughter of Igor. Egon. Egon. Egor. Igor. No, Igor's, uh, <laughs> Eeyore. Dr. Igor's Dr. Frankenstein's assistant. Yeah. yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I agree with what you're saying i mean i thought the movie it was a good kind of next generation mm-hmm. ghostbusters that yep. had some good callbacks to the original the little girl hannah mckinney i want to say her name she is. was good she's so good she like was channeling egon uh oh god harold ramus harold ramus she it was like she was literally channeling <laughs> yeah, him through this she movie was she was perfect she was so good <laughs> in that movie and like you were saying, the whole cast is good. I love that it was, like I said, it was kind of a reboot, but it was a sequel too. If I have one complaint about the movie, I would like to see the original Ghostbusters in it a little bit more. Me too. If I had one complaint about yeah. the movie, that would be my complaint. Me too. But outside of that, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was it was a solid movie. I and- guess how they did it, maybe most some of them didn't want to have as much to do with it as, so they did it kind of. Well, well, it was either that or they was wanting to save them for the big finish. Like I mean, they that, saved the day. Yeah, 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 <laughs> once again. Yeah, I mean, this, like I said, if that's one that's definitely worth checking out. I'm going to go into this one real quick because you never watched it. Oh, the woman, the female Yeah, Ghostbusters the uh, 2000, I think it was 2016 this one came yeah, out. It's the female Ghostbusters one. Now, I really didn't have any desire to watch this one because I'm... I just didn't see the point of a Ghostbusters remake. Like, why remake a movie that there's nothing wrong with to begin with? My philosophy is remake a movie that didn't quite work originally. Right. You know, like a movie like, yeah, there was good potential there, but it didn't quite meet yeah, don't it. Don't remake a classic. Yeah, yeah, don't remake something <laughs> that there's nothing wrong with Thinking you're ever going to beat it. it. 
And I watched a movie. I remember when this was about when we had a satellite, and I remember I DVR'd it off free HBO or something yeah. we had. And I remember I watched it one night just to say I did. Just to, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I didn't. It didn't sit well with me. It just didn't. I didn't really. I mean, I think I found a couple little things in it funny. It just the story to me didn't work, and it just I don't know. It it didn't click at all. The actresses I liked. I mean, I thought the actresses were good. I wish they had a better thing to do together. I think uh, Kate like, McKinnon. It's not was really that good. they weren't capable. It's just they didn't have much to work. Yeah, with. they didn't have the material. And I never will understand to this day, like why instead of doing it as a remake, why didn't you have it attached to the original movie in some way? Yeah, like maybe this is a you could look at like the Ghostbusters became so popular. There's different branches of Ghostbusters right. around the United States. Right. This is another branch mm-hmm. that's dealing with another right. scenario in another city. Very simple. It would have been connected. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you could have brought in Ackroyd and, and uh-huh. a cameo, do a little part mm-hmm. in it, and do it, all this kind of stuff. But they didn't go that route. It's like I said, I mean, it's, it's a swing and a big miss yeah. on her part for me. But like I said, I just didn't, it didn't work for me. And I mean, I understand why it didn't do well yeah. when I watched it. I don't know. It's like I said, I was very sorry to see that because the actresses in it are very talented mm-hmm. and they were the best things about the movie. I just wish the you movie really around them. really can't blame it on them. No, the movie, I wish the movie around them was better. But, you know, I would say if you're interested, give it a try. You know, maybe your opinion will vary from mine. Mm-hmm. But for me, it just didn't work. But yeah, that's kind of all I got to say on that. But I wanted to bring up, remember when we went to the movie theater to see Ghostbusters? Yeah. What was it, this 25th anniversary? or? Yeah, there was some kind of Fathom events. Thing. And remember who we saw there? All those oh, guys dressed up like Ghostbusters? Yeah, they came in and uh-huh. they were all dressed up. They had a proton, proton packs. Proton and... packs and they had uh, uniforms on. Yep. Because I still remember the next day <laughs> I was in a Ghostbusters uh, Facebook group or something like that. Mm-hmm. And these guys were there because I was talking to them online. And I said, hey, I remember seeing you there last night because I was there on the top <laughs> row. Yeah, I remember that. I yeah. thought those were very cool costumes. I guess that was going to wrap up Ghostbuster Talk. And yeah. we're going to move into, I guess what you say, our top five films. From or, 1984. Or, or I guess not our favorites. They're, they're not our favorites. I just kind of chose. Don't, yeah. This was a big year. Yeah, this was a big year. And what were these are, I guess, what I would say top five recommendations. Yeah, I'm not going to. They're the not in any certain order. Now, here's going to be the tricky thing for me. All of these are great movies. Let me see here. It's hard to say if my number one pick will be my number one of the year because all of these are good. But I'm going to just say at the end of the day, these are just five films that I love from 84 and were worth checking out. And I assume you're going to do the same, yes. correct? Okay. Well, what we're going to do, we'll go from five to one and I will let you throw your number five title out first. Um, Number five yes. is Firestarter. Firestarter, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. God, what, it's it's just weird to me to think that that movie's eighty four, but yeah, that was eighty four. This, this was a couple mm-hmm. years after ET. Drew Barrymore was really young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. and this is one that they're actually doing a remake of. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be as of this recording. It's supposed to be out sometime this year. We saw the poster when we went to see the Batman. Yeah, that's right. It that's right. Up. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, Drew Barrymore, George C. Scott, and Martin Sheen. Yeah, this. Yeah. I like this movie myself. It gets a lot of flack. I think even Stephen King isn't a huge fan of it. But I I mean, to me, I think it works for the most part because I do think the actors and everything carry it through because some of it can get a little wobbly 
in that movie at times. Yeah. But I think he did a good job with it overall. I guess I wasn't very judgmental of films when I was little. I wasn't because either. Because my father never let us watch anything. So, like, anytime I got to see yeah. anything, yeah. it was great. Well, it didn't show for me until I watched it when I was older. And then I yeah. got to looking at, like, George C. Scott playing an Indian. I'm just like, mm, yeah. yeah. It yeah. kind of made me think of, like, you know, if you struggle with anger issues. Like, yeah. if you had that, yeah. that problem yeah. that you just set people on fire when you can't control your temper yeah 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 <laughs> oh shit i would have set some people on fire oh yeah yeah i would have too yeah. burn the world down yeah well that's what they were afraid of in that movie a girl like that who is very you know not controlled of her emotions yeah. that she could light things up so hot that it would burn the earth to a core but yeah i mean i like that movie i i don't know i don't understand why it gets as much flack as it does i mean to me that's just something i never understood i mean i don't i mean trust me i've seen worse stephen king adaptations than this one but so that's your number five Mm -hmm. okay my number five is going to be star trek three the search for spock now this was a very anticipated movie for me because i was very curious to see how they were going to bring Spot back, or even if they were going to bring Spot back. And this movie was the second film in what you call the Genesis trilogy in the Star Trek films. And this film is a strong movie, a theme of sacrifice and loss, and what you would sacrifice for people you deem as your family. The film isn't perfect, it's got its flaws, but the themes of the film really stick out for me. And it's one that I do recommend for people, even though this movie does catch a lot of shit. I don't know. I mean, it's just overall, it's one that I, I think even if you don't like Star Trek, I do recommend watching Star Trek 2, 3, and 4 because it's a good trilogy and a good story to watch, even if you're not a Star Trek fan. Which but, I'm not. Yeah, well, it's like I said, I mean, I think those would be appealing to even non-Trek fans. Yeah. But that's what I'm going to go with for my number five is Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And I'd say watch the trilogy because you, mm-hmm. I feel you'll enjoy it. What is your number four on your list there? Um, Romance in the Stone. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that love in a long time. this movie. I haven't watched that in a long time. I used to be so in love with Michael Douglas when he was younger. He was so handsome. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, I always forget that they did a sequel to that too, Jewel of the Nile. The only thing I remember about that movie is how where they was making they found this plane and there was like pot in it and they were smoking and, it. and they were building a fire from pot yeah and, and everything and they were sitting there literally inhaling that and getting high while they were keeping warm that's the main part of that movie i remember i haven't seen it so long i don't remember a whole lot about it i remember i liked it i just mm-hmm. don't remember a lot about it because you know she was a novelist yeah and she would you know kind of wrote this story around you know. A character that is similar to his. Yeah. He wasn't a romantic kind of guy. No. Because what was it where she was expecting him to carry her luggage and then he, he just, just drops it? it? I do remember that part, too. Yep. Yeah, I liked that movie. I remember at the time, but I haven't seen it in so long. I don't even hardly remember the sequel at all. I don't either. Yeah. I just remember parts of it. Yeah. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen either one of those. I don't remember. but. Mm-hmm. But so that's your uh, number four there, Romance yep. in the Stone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I mean, that's a good one. I mean, like I said, I don't remember disliking it. So it's definitely worth checking out. But my number four is Nightmare on Elm Street, which surprises me. I totally forgot that that film came out in 84 yeah. until I was kind of looking at a list and see what was that. Big year. year. Big year. And this is, of course, if anybody don't know about the first appearance of Freddy Krueger, who Mm. went on to become a icon in horror cinema. Yes. And to me, 
Still the best of the Elm Street films. Still has some good creepy moments. A film done on a very low budget, but they mm-hmm. make it work. And he was actually scary, yeah, not first, like a jokester. Yeah, by the time he hit part three, he became more the Joker in that. But yeah, the first two movies, he was still scary. And it still has some of the most horrifying scenes, like the girl being dragged up the wall and being cut up yes. and flung around the room. Oh, Johnny Depp in the bed. bed yeah, which was actually his first movie. Yeah. was a Nightmare on Elm Street. And as I said, it's uh, Wes Craven. It's probably his best movie to me. I know a lot of people would say Scream, but I like Scream, but I don't agree. Like I said, it's the start of a series, a long-running series that, I don't know. I just don't know how they would still make them now that, you know, Robert England's retired. I think they keep talking about trying to do another one, but I don't know how they would do it. But that's my number four, Nightmare on Elm Street. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Yep. Yeah. And what's your number three? Never Ending Story. Oh, that a traumatic scene for me. <gasps> the, the horse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I see little memes of that once in a while, and it reminds me of that scene. I'm like, oh god, I almost—I don't even want to watch the movie again because of that scene. And also the scene with the big rock man lost his little friends yeah. out of his hands. The yeah. storm, yeah, you know the the nothing, yeah, yeah, took it, took them out of his hands, and oh. yeah, I know. I the, the, the part with the horse. Yeah, that this was that was a that was a more traumatizing movie yes. to me when I was a kid than Nightmare on Elm Street was. I remember no. watching that movie. I remember going to theaters seeing they were in the uh, story. That was a traumatizing movie. To I me. know. Yeah, but it's a good movie though. It is. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a. It's weird though. I think they did sequels to the movie, but yeah. I never seen them. One had Jonathan Brandis, who I had a huge crush on when oh, I was younger. Yeah, that's the guy right. that played Bill from It. He's, he was in one of the Star Trek shows, too. I can't remember. Oh, no, it was Sequest. Sequest, yeah. yeah. He was um, he was the Bastion how was character. The, how were the sequels to it? I don't remember. I've never seen That one sequel. was okay, but it nothing touches the original. Yeah. Uh, that's the only one I saw. Okay, yeah, because I thought they did at least three of them. I didn't see the other two. I remember I enjoyed the first one a lot, but everybody told me the sequels weren't that good, so I never watched them. Yeah, but the sequel, the original, though, I mean, yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah. Very traumatizing, but oh, a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very traumatizing. Okay, so that's your number three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I said there's some good recommendations here. Like I said, 84 was a stacked year. And uh, my number three, though, is a film, Beverly Hills Cop, mm. Eddie Murphy. And yeah. I think the film that officially made him a star. Because before that, he was in 48 Hours, which was kind of getting his right. momentum going. But then he did yeah. Beverly Hills Cop, and he just blew up. In the trivia or something, I didn't throw in my trivia. Beverly Hills Cop was the number one film of the year in 84. Ghostbusters was behind it. And then Gremlins. Yeah. Ghostbusters, I think, made $5 million less than Beverly Hills Cop, so it's close. But Beverly Hills Cop, great comedy, fun action movie, and it's Eddie Murphy in probably peak form right there. Because that's another movie that they had to almost make it up as they go because they was having to change the script. Because originally it was supposed to be Sylvester Stallone. Oh, Lord. And it was more of a serious movie. Yeah. So they had to rewrite it as they were filming with Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy was just <laughs> improv and stuff. And they yeah. were making it work then. And that's another case, improv and... But it worked. Yeah, it worked. And it was a big hit at the time. I mm. love this movie. And I still love this movie. And it spawned two sequels. Part two's good. Part three sucks. That's what I'll say about that. But definitely, if you haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop, it's a great 80s action kind of crime movie with a good little peppering of comedy into it. But yeah. definitely check that one out if you haven't seen it. It's very solid. 
I guess we're going to pass it on. We're headed toward the end here, and we'll pass it on to you for your number two. Number two is Footloose. Ah, yes, Kevin Bacon. We talked mm-hmm. about a lot about Kevin Bacon on this podcast <laughs> yeah. in recent times. But, I didn't yeah, think he'd be our yeah, he, he's focal a, point. Yeah, he's <laughs> one of the anchors of the Movie Clan podcast. But yeah, uh, go right ahead. Love this movie. I was from a small town yeah. growing up. Did they allow you to dance? Um, or did they yeah, ban dancing? Okay. but I can remember being in church and there being lots of restrictions on things. Ah. Like acting certain ways. Ah. So I could imagine it would happen. Oh. <laughs> I don't, I have to admit, I've seen Footloose, but it's been a long time. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack was great, but yeah. I do not remember. Kenny Loggins. Yeah, Kenny Loggins, uh, Footloose, and I had the soundtrack, but I don't, I, I don't remember disliking the movie, but it's not a movie I really go back to. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't follow anybody that likes it. It was a very popular movie at the time. It was a very popular movie. I could see why it wouldn't be your cup of tea. Here's the thing about, I like the fantasy aspect of it. And I like how it's like a town is kind of trying to ban something. And then there's somebody that comes in and tries to break that ban. And I like that kind of thing. I don't know. There's just something about that movie that didn't. You know how there's certain movies where you think, I should like this, but there's something Something missing. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the movies. I found it interesting because when I saw something on TV recently, it made me think of this movie. Like, you know, was it Tennessee that was pulling the books? Yes. Uh, that they didn't want kids reading in school? Yeah, there's certain books. It made me think of Footloose, how yeah. they were burning them in barrels. and. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. But yeah, it's like I said, I don't fault anybody who likes the movie because I could see where you would like it. And like I said, I should like it, but there's a, an ingredient missing in that stew for me that just doesn't quite work. But yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I completely understand where you uh, would like it. Yeah. But, so that is your number two. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll move on to my number two. And my number two is probably one of your favorites. It's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> this is a great sequel to the original movie. You say so. You don't like Temple of Doom? Oh, this is Temple of Doom. I thought you were saying, I'm tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say, I thought, whoa, you like this no, movie. this is my favorite Yeah, this them. is the Temple of Doom. This is the second I thought one. you was being smart alecky, and no, I didn't even. Uh, no, the original one came out in 80, <laughs> 81. Yeah. Oh, this is your favorite yeah. of the series. This is. Carry on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a very scary sequel to yeah. this movie. See, when it's you got really a start point. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. I never understood the hate for this movie. A lot of people hate this one for some reason. This one and the Crystal Skull are the two that most people hate. But to me, I always thought this one was just a very solid adventure movie with a lot of kind of scary stuff in it. It's definitely dark. I don't know. It's one, I think this film actually helped create the PG-13 rating Mm -hmm. at the time. And I don't know. It's just a very solid sequel to the original uh, this is another one I'm going to tell people that if you haven't watched it in a long time, or if you're one of these people that don't like it, maybe kind of go back into it, look at it with some fresh eyes. I mean, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it ain't as good as the original or this, that, and the other. To me, I think it's just as good of a movie in its own way, in its own right. I love the relationship between uh, the little short round and Indy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a father and son kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, so cute. And the villain is very scary and the whole heart ripping things and stuff like that. Mm. And just some good action set pieces in this movie. So this is one, like I said, this was probably, God, it was definitely one of my favorites of that year. That's for sure. I just loved this movie. I just yeah. loved it. 
But that is my number two, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So what is your number one? Um, The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Love it, love it, love it. Very popular movie back then. Mm-hmm. Very popular. It was everywhere when it came out. Yes, I remember going to see it. That movie opening night when it was out, and uh-huh. it was a crowd in yeah. the theater to watch this movie. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, what do you like about this one? Is it I just, just I was in love with Ralph Macchio. Oh well, yeah. Most, Even at a young age, yeah, I was just like, he's so cute. What was he like? Forty at yeah, the time he, was he in did his thirties, yeah, or late twenties. I do remember that. Yeah, so I said I remember the Karate Kid being very popular back in the day, and you said you just you know and you loved Ralph Macchio. I, I just loved the story. You know, it's just that unpopular kid kind of coming and winning. Yeah. What is this whole thing that's going around now where they say actually Daniel was the one in the wrong because he was hitting on the guy's girlfriend? Well, Cobra Kai has brought that Daniel's really kind of the problem and Bobby's the good one. Which is an interesting spin on it. it. I guess you can look at it. We were going to, we bought one season of Capricorn. We never really started it. Yeah, we need to actually start that. It's on Netflix now. I'm very curious to watch that. People love it. Yeah, I know. I've heard it's very good. I've heard a lot of people say it. Fifth season or something now? Yes, going into it, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I can understand where you like that movie. I thought it was a a great movie myself. I mean, I've always enjoyed The Karate Kid. I actually like the sequel a lot. Some ways I like the sequel more than I like the original one. I mean, I think the sequel, in some ways, is oh, better to me. when he went to... Um, uh, Okinawa. Okinawa, when, uh, yeah. I, and I watched that a lot. I think I liked that one more because it gave more focus to Mr. Miyagi's character. Yeah. Because I was always interested in him and his little backstory. And you kind of got a little bit more of his background. And it always really made me mad that he spent all that time getting Allie in the first one. And then she just dumps him at the end of it. Yeah. Like, all that didn't happen. Well, Daniel, <laughs> if you look in the movies, he never could hold on to a girlfriend. No, he couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Girls just, you know, he, he he wasn't good with the ladies, at least for not a long length of time. But, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I like The Karate Kid. I think it's a very good movie. It was yeah. one I enjoyed back then. And I think I watched it again maybe a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. And I still, still holds up for me. It's still, yeah. it's still a good movie at that time. But so that is your number two or number one. Yeah. Okay. Well, my number one ooh, is The Terminator. Oh, yeah. Now, this is a movie I was blown away by when I seen it in the theater. I love the mix of the... It's almost a slasher movie and an action movie and a science fiction movie all rolled into one. Yeah. Because it's a slasher movie because you don't understand why is he going around killing all these women at first? Yeah. You know, a woman of a certain name. It's almost... It's like the slasher instead of using a knife, he's using a gun. It's playing a slasher thing. But then, of course, you kind of kind of find out that there's more of a world-saving sci-fi twist to this whole yeah. thing mm-hmm. which i'm gonna want to probably do this movie on the podcast at some point so i'm not gonna go too heavily and deep into it but uh, this is almost a movie i'm to the point where i would almost say that it's probably if i had to pick a favorite film of uh that year it might be that one it might be even though temple doom would run a close second <laughs> uh, and Ghostbusters would probably run right in there too. It's like I said, that's why I couldn't sit there and say, this is my favorite film of this year because there's so many good ones that yeah. I love for so many different reasons. If I had to take Ghostbusters out of the equation since we covered it, this one might be mine. And like I said, The Terminator is probably one I'm going to do on a podcast at some point. But like I said, I love just every aspect of this movie. This is another movie to me that almost is almost perfect for what it tries to do 
hardly no money, low budget movie, and they mm-hmm. pulled off a great story here. And it's, to me, it's still James Cameron's best film. But that is my number one, uh, The Terminator. Here, and I'm going to just throw out a little small list before we get done with this. Here are some of the other films that were this year. I mean, I, it's hard for me to pick just five. Let me I, I had Terminator as a um, yeah. honorable mention in Gremlins. Yeah. Some of the films that came out that year. Top Secret, which I love. Great comedy. Purple Rain. This is Spinal Tap. Streets of Fire. Repo Man. Company of Wolves. Body Double. Bachelor Party. Friday the 13th Part 4. Mm-hmm. That's just to name a few. Burning Bed. Burning Bed. That's a, well, that's a TV movie. Well, I was on yeah, the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was on yeah. the list, too. Yeah, I, did, I, I think they did play in the theater, though, mm-hmm. at least overseas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just to name a few. So this was a hard list to come up with. I think, I, I know I struggle with it. I'm assuming Sherry might struggle a little bit, too, with some of the movies that were on mm-hmm. there. But like I said, that's our top fives. And I guess what we're going to do is we're going to get ready to shut things down here. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to throw out the contact info. Uh, you can uh, contact us on our Facebook page, leave any comments or questions, or send us an email at themovieclinic at gmail.com. It's a T-H-A, not T-H-E, for the movie clinic. And feel free to drop us a line, any questions, any comments, you know, let us know if there's a certain movie you would like for us to cover on the podcast. I mean, I'm pretty open to anything. You and know, you for, can contact us or get the podcast on um, movieclinic.com. Yeah, on our, on our website. Uh, we're on Anchor. We're on Player FM, Podbay, mm-hmm. wherever you get your podcast from, uh, you can find us there. But I guess uh, until next time, I'm David. And I'm Sherry. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.